0: Talk Live, it's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves. Toll free, 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site are totally free, so enjoy those on us. That, again, is freetalklive.com. Well, some bad news, and then maybe maybe a little bit of good news. Uh, The bad news is out of Washington, D.C., And it's about the minimum wage. Now, I I know a lot of people think the minimum wage is is a good thing, but if you've listened to Free Talk Live before, you know that's just not the case. And I'm I'm sure we'll recap you here in a moment. But after a decade-long wait, according to the AP, America's lowest-paid workers saw Congress poised Thursday to increase the federal minimum wage by $2.10. That's uh, that's almost a 50% increase in that sucker. Almost. It's $5.15 an hour now, $2.10. Certainly a... It's like a 40% increase. For years, the idea of increasing the minimum wage has been stalled by partisan bickering between the Republicans and Democrats. That almost became the fate of this year's proposals to raise the federal minimum wage to $7.25 over two years. Democratic leaders attached the provision to the $120 billion Iraq War Spending Bill, which was vetoed by the White House because it insisted on a pullout date for American troops. However, they have now passed a rewritten bill. And the Senate plan to do the same later in the day was passed by the wave 280 to 142. With President Bush already giving the bill his blessing, it seemed likely that the end is near for the longest stretch without the federal pay floor rising since the minimum wage was established in 1938. Senator Edward Kennedy said, we are very hopeful we are going to finally see that increase in the next couple of days. (laughs) That's pretty good. Uh, This would be the first change since the minimum wage went from, I can't believe it's the next couple of days. I think it'll be signed in the next couple of days and goes into effect at a certain point. Uh, Anyway, they say that the minimum wage provisions were one part of the Iraq War spending bill that did not change. It goes up to $5.85 two months after Bush signs the bill, then $6.55 one year year later, and then $7.25 a year after that. The liberal-leaning Economic Policy Institute, a research group, estimates that 5.6 million workers, or 4% of the workforce, currently earn less than $7.25, which, that's not a lot. 4% of the workforce
1: is not right. a lot. I mean, it sounds to me like what you're talking about is uh, young people that are getting into the
0: workforce. 4%? Yep. In fact, um, I was talking with uh, with Julia today, who, as you know, works in food service. Or and people that can't speak English, that, that other portion. That's true. Um and she was telling me that you know there was a a, a young there's a young man that's that's working for the um, the place that she works for, and he has been looking for a raise as of recently. And he's 17. He you know is he's actually living on his own apparently. He's moved out of his parents' house early, and the guy's apparently a really good worker. And he's had trouble at other jobs because he's a young person. Mm-hmm. To just getting a raise because he's a young person, and you know, I guess they don't want to even really give him a chance to prove himself and that sort of thing. And and what they're going to what they're going to do in this case, he's making like seven bucks an hour, mm-hmm. and so they're probably going to give him a raise, you know, maybe a buck on top of that, go up to eight dollars. And it's going to be a real slap in the face for that young man when uh, the minimum wage goes up. And the reason for that is, well, you know, he's worked really hard. To move up to where he he currently is, right. one of the hardest working people at, at that store, and so he's going to be rewarded in for that by getting an increase in, in his wage, going up to eight bucks. But but two years from now, I mean presumably he'll have he'll have gotten more raises. But let's pres- let's pretend it was it is two years from now. Okay, let's pretend that he's getting this raise up to eight dollars an hour, and then two weeks later. This new federal minimum wage comes in, and all of a sudden, everybody that gets hired in has to be hired in at, you know, 75 cents less than what he's getting. That's kind of an insult. I mean, when when all these new people don't have the skill sets that this guy has, when all these newbies, you know, they don't know how to put together a sandwich, uh, but yet they're getting paid almost the same amount. And that's it. That's really. There are going to be a lot of people who are going to be kind of irritated about that. I
1: don't know that they're even going to know too much, but um, it, it stinks uh, for the ones that do figure it out that they're being, uh, you know, jilted. That they worked hard to get up to seven twenty-five an hour, and then uh, everybody at, below them is just being pushed up there as the floor gets pushed up. Right. But we just assume that everyone's going to be pushed up, and they're not. Um, it, the proof is every single time the minimum, ra- minimum wage is raised. Um, There's a certain amount of people that lose their jobs or um, jobs aren't refilled after people leave for whatever reason. And um, most of these jobs you're talking about are young people. So they have a tendency to come and go from their jobs pretty quickly. I kept the same job when from the age of 12, I started working before um, it was legal, 12 to uh, 18. So Mm -hmm. um, I kept the same job for like five years. And were you making more after five years? Oh,
0: I was making significantly more than minimum wage. Yeah but that's because I knew the job. You say a lot of people aren't going to know about it, and, and you're probably right about that, but they will change those posters. They've got the, the federal posters up at every single workplace. Mm-hmm. It's like a man the mandatory thing. You have to have this poster up, and it, so, it's got the minimum wage in big numbers. I mean, it's, it's fairly obvious when you're a worker uh, what the minimum wage is, and so it may become uh, fairly obvious that it has gone up. Um, people, especially at jobs where there are minimum wage workers, know people will be talking up. about it.
1: They're gonna know it went up, but they're probably not gonna think about it. How um, how much of an insult it is to the people that have worked themselves up to say 725 at this point, and then the minimum wage. I just don't think they'll think about you it.
0: You don't out. think? I don't know. I know that I before I really knew what the minimum wage was, I would have been able to figure that out. I would have been able to realize that hey, now I've been working here for two years. And I've worked very hard to get the raises that I've received, and now all these other schmoes are getting a raise by legislation. You might be right. That's just, it's it's not fair. And by the way, I'm not saying, somebody might extrapolate from, from me saying that, well, so you want to give everybody a raise, don't you? No, no. No, 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 no. I'm not suggesting that at all, because that would be sort of like the, the liberal approach or something. Like, oh, okay, you've given the minimum wage people $2 raise, so you have to give everybody else a $2 raise. Uh, it, that's not what I'm suggesting. Well,
1: that's not what's going to happen anyway. It's no. not like it's not like the uh, federal government can mandate that everybody gets a two dollar raise. No. How would they enforce this? Um, yeah. And it, you know, it, they wouldn't bother doing that because they know how bad that would be for the economy. They're just willing to do it for the minimum,
0: right? To make themselves look like they're the champion right. of the the common man and that sort yeah, of thing. The, so.
1: the common man isn't getting paid minimum wage, right? The people that are getting paid minimum wage are by and no large. Skills. Uh, people, new people in the, the marketplace, people under the age of 21 for certain, mm-hmm. um, and uh, people that don't speak English very well.
0: And so, again, the solution is not to raise everybody's wage up. The solution is to abolish the minimum wage entirely. That's right, entirely, and make it so that individuals can decide um, on their own who they want to work for and how much they're going to get paid. It should be a business decision between the employee and the employer. You go in there and you negotiate your wage when you get your job, and that's how it should work. If you can't, you know, if you negotiate five bucks an hour, if you negotiate ten, if you negotiate two, it's it's your business, right? And the government shouldn't get involved.
1: The the problem that uh, people don't see, they the, the the portion of this that they don't quite get, and we've been told uh, stories in the air. One comes to mind uh, particularly that um, somebody who had a, you know, they were doing something as far as a business went, and uh, some guy came up. He was a minority. He was a little obviously a little slow. Mm-hmm. He knew that he wasn't able he he you know probably through experience he wasn't able to get a regular job he offered to sweep the parking lot for like two or three dollars an hour or something like that and um he, he, they they couldn't give him they couldn't give him the work simply because they'd be violating federal laws as far as minimum wage goes yep this guy was cut out of the marketplace by the minimum wage he wasn't so he can worth go on welfare. Right, that's really it. Right. The government creates a problem and they solve the problem. Right, they create is, a problem and solve a problem. Now, yeah.
0: now we all have to pay for him to be on welfare, and that's going to happen now. That's going to happen now because, as you pointed out, it happens every single time that people lose their jobs, and there's very real economic reasons why that happens. You can either cut staff when minimum wage goes up. I'm looking at this uh, the story here. It says that minimum wage at five fifteen, that person makes about ten thousand seven hundred dollars a year, and I don't know if that's before taxes. I believe it is. Uh, an increase to $7.25 would boost that to just over $15,000 a year. Again, this is this is almost a 50% increase in costs. So if you're a business that's teetering on the edge, you can barely get your, your bills paid, a mom-and-pop business or something like that, because it's no problem for Walmart or big corporations to absorb this minimum wage. They just raise their prices a few pennies, and they've got their money back. Mm-hmm. But for a mom-and-pop business, it's very, very difficult. You either fire people... Or you raise your prices, which means you're less competitive with the big box stores uh, and other uh, companies from overseas. Or you cut back on quality. I mean, there's only certain things that you can do. Inevitably, people are going to lose their jobs. If I can only afford to pay somebody five they're going to have to go out the door because I can't afford 7 bucks. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, totally free, including the bulletin board system. Over 225,000 posts, over 1,400 people interacting. Lots to talk about, and it's all for free. So head over there now at bbs.freetalklive.com. Or when you get a chance, that's bbs. Freetalklive.com And the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as PorkFest, is June 18th through the 24th. At PorkFest, you'll be able to tour New Hampshire on special Free State Project bus tours or on your own and hear and discuss the progress in the future of the Free State Project. Register today at porkfest.com. That's P O R C F E S T dot com. As we go to the phones and to the fun, it's Chris in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey Chris.
2: Uh, yeah, I just want to say something about the minimum wage. What, sure. Okay, like these people that are going to get the uh, minimum wage increase that are going to benefit from it, what are they going to do with their money
0: when they get it? I don't know. I get, they're a bunch of people, so. Well, that's they're going to spend
2: it because, you know, you make under a certain amount. You, you're probably more than likely going to spend all that you make, mm-hmm. right? Probably. I mean, would you agree? I mean, it's depending
0: on their situation. And... I'll concur. Yeah, with but you. more than
2: likely, if you're making seven bucks an hour, you're probably going to spend just about all your check. I know that. You're, you're talking like a to
1: couple... you're talking to Ian, who um, when he did make seven dollars an hour, put six dollars of a, an hour away. <laughs> um, so it's not really fair, but I will give you. Americans love
0: Ninety
1: five percent of those people will probably not save at all, or you know some small amount.
0: So that
2: money is going to go where?
0: Uh, Back into the economy: bills, cigarettes, um, alcohol, television.
2: Probably renting a movie or getting a pizza on Friday night, or something they couldn't do ordinarily. So, you know, businesses are going to, you know, benefit from that. So it's all just a shell game. I mean, if you're if you're talking about, um, you know, money in general, I mean the real the real uh, impact on the economy has to do with like the Federal Reserve and. How they're manip- manipulating the money supply and I would totally
1: basically concur with you that, all of us. You I, know, I, I would say that it's absolutely Mickey Mouse economics that it uh, you know. But at the same time, um, it's when you look at individual cases, the pizza parlor where the young people work, they may very well not get their money returned or um, you know, I, I don't know the individual circumstances. When you're talking about these mom and pop businesses, it takes longer for the trickle down effect to get there and they have to sort of ride out the storm and there's no reason for um for that to happen. I mean, yeah, it's just, it, it's it may wrong. be a,
0: it may be a financial shell game, but there are still victims. And right. the victims are the, the low wage workers in the mom and pop businesses.
1: But the bigger fiat problem fiat is, uh, is totally the Federal Reserve yes, and absolutely. um our fiat currency.
2: That's what I mean if they're gonna do that and if they're gonna play a shell game, they should put you know, put in tax breaks for the businesses on top of that, but but they're not going to do that i mean it's all it all has to do with uh you know manipulation and and putting on a you know dog and pony show for the public and yep. it's always debating about non issues and
3: sure you know, and it's just like, just like partial
2: them. birth abortion is a total non issue it's not i mean the the thing that Bush just signed on to is not going to cause. Uh, one less abortion to occur is just just shifting around, and it's just you know semantic word games. Well, we I don't, have nothing... I don't
0: really want to talk too much about abortion, <laughs> but uh, it seems to me the government should stay out of funding them and out of prohibiting them as well. It should not be, uh, should not be the government's uh, purview.
2: I haven't, I haven't listened to you guys in a while. I used to listen to you guys a lot, but I've just my schedule's changed. But well, what, what, what do you, what do y'all think about uh, Ron Paul?
0: Uh, he's great. Yeah, Ron Ron Paul's a great great guy, and he's doing a a great job out there, and we're looking forward to uh, continuing to report good news about his campaign because so far it's all been good news. Uh, thank yep. you for the call Chris We've been uh,
1: withholding the uh, endorsement Until after we get him on the show and talk to him but, uh, That's a good point you know, We're pretty pretty close to the, that at this point
0: uh, You know what I actually had something from Ron Paul it, With Ron Paul I, has, I have an excerpt from something that he uh, I guess a speech he gave on the House of Representatives floor uh, And the excerpt is about him Endorsing civil disobedience Which is pretty cool well, Really? Uh, we'll get to that here in a little while But we need to continue with the phone calls And talk to Frank in New York You're on Free Talk Live Hey Frank
4: Hi, guys. Listen, I'm, I'm just a little hurt by. Uh, you guys aren't thinking tonight. You guys, you, really? I really enjoyed the show, but I'm going to tell you, you've fallen into the game of class warfare.
3: What, what are you I want to about? let
4: you know in the last nine days, the price of gasoline in New York State has risen 25%, which Whoa. is huge inflation. It sure. Is. Uh, the cost of living has never been higher around the country for rent. Food has gone up about 42% since February at the supermarket. So, I mean, you know, we're talking about the people that are going to benefit from the minimum (laughs) wage increase are going to be the, you know, the individuals that, that need the money to buy the pizza for their meal that night. Uh, Frank, you're being the facetious, to aren't you? the spend the $3 on the subway or the bus to get to work. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say this, that you know who's going to really benefit by this in many ways? And you're going to laugh, but I have a case that proves it. Okay. Uh, when Circuit City decided to cut the pension uh, uh, in December of last year and said that all of their workers that had seniority that were making more money are going to be dropped in price uh, – uh, down to what the minimum wage was. And the fact is that the individuals tried to sue the company, but the courts wouldn't hear the case, which mm-hmm. means that the employer now can, uh, you know, since we had at least a tradition in the 20th century of collective bargaining, that's been, like, totally abrogated. So in a sense, we're in a situation whereby any employer can, uh, without any any legal or economic uh, penalty, drop salaries, reclassify their job status, and, you know, cut their pensions. Well, and there's a, now, that's, a, there's, a penalty. there's
1: absolutely an economic Those guys penalty. Can leave. I can leave. <laughs> and then yeah, you don't that's have true. my work. You know
4: who's going to win? India, Bangalore, because at mm-hmm. it, $7.50 an hour, people may say, well, that's too much, you know, for our person to answer the phone or to process data mm-hmm. or to deliver mail. But I'm going to tell you, in Bangalore, India, uh, 450 an hour would be like 89 dollars an hour in the United yeah, States. Yeah, And the people are gonna. Uh, so in a sense, by making this nasty, making this such a political uh, discourse, it's actually taking valuable political consciousness away from what's been happening, especially with the foreign policy. I mean, we're really. Uh, we're well, going to be much. As a nation, and yeah. I don't know. I, I just want to say I enjoy the show always, as you know. But
0: uh, are you, I, are you suggesting to,
4: fall into that oh, hold on a second, Frank. thing, guys?
0: Frank, are you suggesting you're in favor of uh, increasing the minimum wage?
4: I am actually. Yeah, I believe in, in what should be a living wage.
0: Oh, come And I've on. lived.
4: I've actually listen, I, I'm an old guy. I've worked at minimum wage when it was $0.75 cents an hour, mm-hmm. when you could buy a foreign affairs magazine for $1.75 seventy-five cents. But, Frank, what about the economics now, of it all?
0: What about the economics of it all? I mean, a, a living wage, that would be, let's say, 50 bucks an hour. How about that?
4: I think that would be great. And you know what I think we should do? If the private sector can't employ the individuals as it has done historically in this country, let the federal government do it. Let everyone... Uh, because what's crazy is those bureaucrats, Day? Come on. Those bureaucrats You're not in the government. Those bureaucrats in the government are pretty damn stupid. And just look at it, 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 it. What's happened over the last twenty years? So my philosophy is this: Why should they be making seventy, ninety, one hundred nine thousand dollars a year when the guy that's paying the salary is making like maybe 15000 oh, Because bureaucrats let me put it this way: way guys, overpaid, If I make sure. over ninety thousand a year as an individual. Uh, I'm able to get certain tax incentives, uh, be it mortgage, uh, mm-hmm. forgiveness, all sorts of different things. You know, things, Frank, I don't think you've really have. thought
0: this through all the way about the no, living wage idea. And we'll come back with more of it. 800-259, thank you for the call. one 800 Cause I think Frank is the one that's off on this one. We'll come back. You could take control. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives website and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the Sekel CAI toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. Join us online, freetalklive.com. Live streams there, broadband version of the show, And a dial-up version, both waiting for you, completely free, free freetalklive.com. Hey, did you know that 9 out of 10 lawsuits in the world are filed right here in the United States? Any number of lawsuits, court orders, or greedy bureaucrats could leave you or your family penniless. At KeepYourAssets.net, they're experts in sheltering your wealth. You'll see that KeepYourAssets.net can help you be protected against those that wish to take your assets. That's KeepYourAssets.net. Now, we just got off the phone with Frank in New York, and normally Frank seems like a pretty sensible guy, but on the issue of uh, minimum wage, he is uh, just way, way wrong. Um, He's not only for the increase in the minimum minimum wage, but he wants a so-called living wage. And let's just take a look at this real quick here. I mean, if I, for instance, wanted to hire a producer for the show, Mm -hmm. Mark, and if I cared about what the law says and I don't. Like if I were going to bring a producer on, be paid under the table, and there wouldn't be any official paperwork about it. But if I were on the up and up, then uh, you know I I wouldn't be able to pay that producer very much. You know what our budget is here on this show. You know what kind of money we have coming in. Chump change. Right. It's it's not much. It's it's just enough to buy a, a little bit of advertising for the program, and there's just not much else that, that can be done. Now,
1: uh, uh, on top of that, we couldn't do anything but part-time because, well, you know, there's
0: not a full-time job here in producing the show. It's only on 18 hours a week. That's correct. It'd be a part-time gig, and I I wouldn't be able to pay more than 5 or 7 bucks an hour. I I really wouldn't be able to. But $50 an hour? I mean, I, I threw that number out there, and we had Frank on the phone. He said, yeah, that'd be about right for a living wage. Now, a lot of living wage proponents will call $20 an hour a living wage, but, I mean, pick a number. It's all arbitrary anyway. So let's just say it's 50 bucks an hour. I mean, who wouldn't want to make $50 an hour? Well, the fact is I can't pay that, so there's no job anymore. Where there was going to be a job, there would be no more job. In fact, I don't know if we'd ever get to the point where we could afford, it'd be a long, long time before this show could ever afford a $50 an hour producer. Yeah, I'm not sure that a
1: $50 an hour producer is worth $50. I just, I'm just, no. i not sure that the, the show's worth, it's just not worth that
0: right now. I'll take my calls unscreened, Right, you know? Uh, so, I mean, you, you just take that mentality and then you apply it to a business that already exists, that already has employees. Uh, the government then comes in and says, well, guess what? Now you have to increase your budget for payroll mm-hmm. by 50%, presuming that you know, uh, it's, a, it's a newer business. They, they can't afford to pay their employees more than minimum wage. They've got maybe a, a handful of minimum wage employees. All of a sudden, they've now increased their costs by 50%. Most businesses can't handle that sort of a drastic increase, especially ones that are on the edge. And so it seems to me that people that support this concept of a living wage, they haven't really even turned the concept over in their heads at all. They haven't really thought about it. And even if they do such a
1: thing, then they um, – you know, this is uh – Some people would disagree with this sort of economics, but I think that this is, um, it seems to me that this is what would happen, is first off, you you start paying, you you would ratchet things up, you know, some kind of incremental fashion to $50 Mm. an hour. Um, So the companies that manage to keep employees around at that point, are uh, then paying fifty dollars an hour, so they have to charge significantly more for what they're selling. So those employees' money doesn't go as far. So that so nine dollar pizza just, is now
0: a ninety dollar pizza. It just
1: inflates the hell out of the uh, the, the currency. Um, well, it doesn't inflate. It the doesn't currency. inflate the currency, but it, uh, prices go up. Prices go up. That's the right, right. terminology. Right. And um, you know, then, then just like he says. There's a lot of companies that uh, say, well, you know, I was trying to keep uh, business here in the United States. I was doing my best, but now I'm going to some other country.
0: I'm glad he actually brought that up because that's an aspect of uh, the a consequence that we've never really touched on when it comes to the minimum wage. We talk about how jobs will be lost, but we've never really suggested that, you know, those jobs might go somewhere else. In fact, if I have something there's still that...
1: competition out there, it's right. just not that easy to compete.
0: If I have something that uh, doesn't necessarily need to be done here where I'm at, then there's no reason why I won't take that job and give it to somebody in another country somewhere. If if I can get that person doing the same job uh, for a fraction of the cost, of course I'm going to take that uh, opportunity. And then if you want to pass a law to prevent me from hiring someone from overseas, I'll just go out of business. You know, there's there's only so or many moved reg- to
1: the Bahamas right. and, and do business in the United States as a uh, offshore company.
0: There's only so many regulations that Are any you telling given me Walmart can couldn't
1: pick up its uh its operations out of Arkansas. Where is it? Arkansas? Somewhere. Yeah, it's Arkansas, somewhere in Arkansas, and, and move them to some other country, one that's not um that that is re- relatively nearby and right. You know, has a, Go a to less Mexico. restrictive right.
0: Mexico, um, the Cayman Islands, you know, anything sure. like that. I mean, they're an international company. They could absolutely do that. Sure. But they keep it in Bentonville, Arkansas, because there's some history there. and um,
1: They could buy a portion of Mexico right along the border and then yeah. uh, eman- uh, emancipate it.
0: Yeah, it could be Wal- Walmartia. Yeah. That would be interesting. That would be it? really interesting. one 800 259 So people in favor of the minimum wage, people in favor of the living wage, are, are individuals who are completely driven by fantasy and emotion, because there's just... The logic behind this is that people will suffer if this, um, if minimum wage is increased. People suffer. People lose their jobs, and to say that that's okay. To just look at those numbers of the people that are losing their jobs and the businesses that are going under as a result of these increases, to say that that's okay, that that's part of the cost of, of increasing the minimum wage, is completely uh, completely heartless. And it's, um, it's, it's very pro-am-
1: pro-American in an unfair fashion. Um, what about all the other people in the world that don't get the, the minimum wage outside of the borders? You know, they... How are they what still alive, them? Mark? What about them? Uh, you know, so then you've got people that are rushing here in order to get paid more and oh, you just make a mess of things. Mm. Let people pay what they want to pay and what people want to earn because exactly. you can believe me, if I decided to go out and get a uh, get a real job tomorrow, mm-hmm. um I get to decide how much I get paid. If I say I'm worth $10 an hour and I'm not going to go to work for somebody who's not paying me $10 an hour, I'm not going to go to work for them. That's right. And then you know, they just don't have me. The place that decides to pay me um, gets me. So the minimum wage has no effect on how much I get paid because I
0: set my own price. That should be how it is across the board. And that's the other insult to uh, that's the other thing that the, the, the other thing that's an insult about the minimum wage is that it just presumes that people are stupid. People it basically tells you and, the, and government does this a lot. They They basically say to people in a very subtle way. You're too stupid to run your own life. You aren't capable of making your own decisions. You can't handle going in and applying for and negotiating a rate, uh, applying for a job and negotiating a, a pay rate. You can't handle all of these things, so mommy government is going to step in and do it for you. And that's, that's an insult to people's intelligence. And even people that aren't brilliant... Can still manage to uh, finagle, uh, you know, uh, to to manage to make a deal as to what they're going to be paid. And if somebody's not getting paid what they're worth, inevitably, um, and they don't realize that, inevitably, someone's going to clue them in and say, "Hey, you know what? Uh, they'll, like a, a a job hunter, someone hunting for jobs will uh, will go into a, a location. Like I think somebody came in and tried to recruit me for Circuit City when I was working at, at Kmart. Uh huh. And they came in there and said, you know, hey, what are you making? Right? You know, what are you making here? and I you know I told him what I was making and uh well you know we might be able to do better than that for you you seem to you seem to know what you're doing you seem to have a little bit of talent uh you seem to have a little bit of skill why didn't you go let's let's bring him up i actually considered it but i didn't i didn't i wasn't interested in the the uh commission sales environment at that at that point in my mm-hmm. life and and it was further away in town and anyway there's yeah. a variety of reasons i just wondered um but but my point being that you know even if i wasn't making what i should have been making somebody could have come along and and lent me their hand and said, Hey, come with me. We'll give you a better opportunity. We'll give you a better job. That stuff happens all the time. It happened with you, Mark. Jim Davis walked right into a a gym where you were working.
1: I was working as a personal trainer at a uh, local uh, health club, and uh, my mentor, Big Jim Davis, um, came in, and it was the uh, last gym membership I ever sold somebody because I sold him one, and then uh, he said... Here's my card. Come and see me tomorrow out uh, you know, at the radio station. And, and you did. And I did, and they gave me a job, and it was the best thing that
0: ever happened to me. There you go. So let's let the market decide, okay? And if you think that somebody's not getting paid enough, then talk to them. Say, hey, I think you should get paid more. In fact, maybe you should go across the street and apply somewhere else. Make it your business, then, if that's what you want to do. But don't force the government, or don't force people to... Uh, into business decisions at the point of a gun, which is what the government's going to do. Because if I don't want to pay minimum wage, they're going to come and point weapons at me until I either go out of business or I decide to follow their rules. Of course, I'm not going to do. Because I don't care about their laws. More on the way, it's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free. 800-259-9231. The Cycle CAI toll-free live for you. It's Ian here with you. And hey Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features totally free. That includes uh, the updates. At updates.freetalklive.com, we do ask you to voluntarily support the show by buying some stuff at amazon.freetalklive.com. When you enter Amazon through that link, Freetalk Live gets a percentage of your purchase. So it's a great way to get the stuff that you need. You're going to buy it anyway. You might as well buy it through that link so we can get a cut. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Let's go to the phones. You bring up what you want. It's Sean in Louisiana. You're on Freetalk Live. Hey, Sean. Sean?
5: Hello? Hey. Oh hi! I'm got Listen, the battery on my phone is dying right now, but I just wanted to get out an urgent uh, announcement about a, a rally uh, for Ron Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's appearing on the Bill Maher show tomorrow night uh, at 8 p.m. and we're meeting at 6 p.m. Um, in Hollywood in front of the studio where the show is being uh, shot to offer support. Great. Well, abroad. this is a
0: this is a national show, but I'm sure there are a few people out there in the Los Angeles area that uh, yeah. that could turn out for that, and I, and I'm sure they can find the details out on that. Online, maybe at the uh, the meetup group there. Uh, That's at Ron exactly, Paul. it's
5: uh, ronpaul.meetup.com. Uh, there you go.
0: Thanks for yeah. the call. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. So, Ron Paul, you know, since he brings him up, I've actually got a, uh, a story, an excerpt from a speech that he gave on the floor of the uh, House of Representatives about civil disobedience. We'll get to that, uh, but first we've got to go to Tom in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Tom.
5: Oh, okay. For the purpose of accuracy, let me just point out that uh, raising the minimum wage from five fifteen per hour to seven point twenty five is actually an increase of forty one percent. Okay. Okay. All right. That's forty point seven seven. Uh, see, I rounded up. Got it. And you know, a politician could actually say, "I'm in favor of rounding up large numbers of illegal aliens," and that could be what they're talking about. And hey, it's true. Okay. Okay. What? But anyway, uh, on May eleventh, two thousand and two, get a load of this in on okay. uh, Florida on Route ninety eight in Florida, and again I I forgot Gulf Breeze, Florida. Okay, this guy driving drunk, twenty two years old, kills two twenty year old women. Okay, mm-hmm. one of the women, Lisa Dixon, her. Her fa- he sh- Neither one of them ever got a chance to drink legally, of course. But her father goes and joins the hate-mongering Mothers Against Drunk Driving bigots okay. and becomes one of their activists, so that he can promote bigotry and unprovoked government-sponsored violence against people like his, do- like those two victims. Okay. Then I he uh, goes and writes a letter to urging the judge to cut the sentence for the guy. That killed them.
1: Why? Why?
5: Well, well, the guy did say he was sorry.
0: Well, that's and great.
5: Not, I mean, he was driving drunk, 020 percent, and killed two innocent people. But it's not like he was drinking underage or doing something serious like that. <laughs> you know? And I even read somewhere on one website that the guy is uh, the uh, the father is a chapter president of the uh, Emerald uh, Coast chapter of Mothers Against Drunk Driving. So I tried to confirm that. I tried calling up that chapter, and I got an answering machine that says, if you're ordered by the court to attend our victim witness panel, you have to pay $35, and it's limited to the first 200 people that show up. Mm -hmm. You know, they're making money off drunk driving. Oh, yeah, they're making money off drunk driving. I mean, just do the math. And imagine... Okay, let's say you go out and... you wait, get wait, wait caught slow down, a- slow
0: down. Is that why you think this guy wanted a, lo- a lesser jail sentence? He wanted more, like, um, mandatory classes, basically, in return? He wanted
5: the guy... I mean, they're too lily-livered to push for tough punishment for drunk drivers to kill people. And you do got to admit that it's kind of like throwing the dice. You, put, you, you take a bunch of people who commit this petty crime, you put all their names in a hat, and you pick a few of them out there, and they got to do decades in prison because it's very random which ones are going to wind up killing people, hmm. you know, and, but then you stop and think about this. Uh, not only are they making big money off drunk driving, uh, it raises the, the issue, how would you like it if you get uh, caught doing some petty crime and you, you're forced to buy something from the Nazi party or the Democratic party or any organization who's interests you totally oppose. Yeah. And this is what, what they're doing. They're forcing people to support an organization that promotes bigotry against responsible drinkers under 21. But think about what else would happen if, let's say, they pass a law. First offense, DWI, you lose your license for 10 years. Second offense, you lose it for the rest of your life. Lots more people waiting at every bus stop. The bus companies can extend their hours and their routes, and people pick up the want ads. They go looking for a job they don't need to buy a car. And you know, they, uh, more people walking home means more people riding to City Hall, stop plowing snow onto the sidewalks, stop building roads without sidewalks, stop I building I don't know if they roads. go
0: that far in uh, in their well, thinking, well, but I think build. that your point is, uh, is definitely good about um, Mothers Against Drunk Driving having a, a serious financial uh, conflict as far as and, encouraging people to um, be sentenced to their classes. Um, instead of actual jail time, I think that's a serious issue and, and definitely needs to be addressed. Tom, your final and, thoughts?
5: Here's, here's another thing. Can I point out mm-hmm. that Mothers Against Drunk Driving's sponsors include the American International Automobile Dealers Association, ARCO, Daimler, Chrysler, Ford, Nissan, and Volkswagen. It says so right on their website. Well, I mean that just might
0: that just might be because they want to make themselves look good. You know, it's it'll look good on uh, paper. They can say, well, we support Mothers Against Drunk Drivers because we're good people. And they don't
5: want people taking the bus. They don't want people complaining about traffic lights without crosswalk lights. They don't want pedestrian friendly. Cities, they, they want people to have to buy cars and drive everywhere. But,
1: you know, the pedestrian-friendly f- um, cities isn't, is not is sort of a um, – it, it's a phenomenon because we use cars. The buses are all in just – every place that I know in the United States are all run by the city. So the, all you're doing is working into their racket. They're going to run buses when they feel like, how they feel like, where they feel like. doesn't matter if anyone rides them. Right. right.
5: So, not when the libertarians get into unpower. Hmm. Then once the libertarians get elected into unpower, then you set up your bus uh, service. There's not going to be any zoning restrictions thinning out the population to, to prevent bus service from being feasible. That's I, another. I would thing.
1: agree with that. that Great it, point. You know, that there's lots of uh, there's lots of laws in the way. I, I'm just. I guess I'm not. I don't know. Um, the whole licensing thing it bothers Wait, me. Wait, what bothers you? The, the, the idea that you would. I don't know. Ten years for a DUI offense. Ten years of, of suspended Lose license. Your license
5: Well, they don't want to promote that because it means more people riding the bus and then the bus companies can extend their hours and their routes. And then more people see right now city planners see the world through a windshield, and that's just the way the auto companies and the oil company that are sponsoring mothers against drunk driving want it to be. They don't want uh, teenagers to have a choice between drinking or driving. They want them to have only the one choice, have to drive everywhere, and if they Get a, have a choice between the two addictions, uh, then some of them will choose to be addicted to alcohol instead of being addicted to driving. And the auto companies and the oil companies that are behind Mothers Against Drunk Driving want the teenagers to get solidly addicted to driving everywhere.
0: Hmm. Interesting uh, theory. Tom, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. I don't know if it goes that deep. I, I, well,
1: I, I don't know. I don't know if there's the uh, the, the the whole uh, conspiracy it's behind it. But who knows? Who, who knows? Um, some of the things that he says is true are are true. If if you make it difficult on people to drive, um, for instance, here in town they've got three construction programs going on all at one time. The roads are tore up everywhere. Right, all in
0: different areas. The, so if you're the, driving somewhere, you're going to hit one are, of them. The detours
1: are poorly marked, um, and I've just stopped using my car today um, and yesterday. Really? I, you know, I tried
0: not to use it yesterday. Ride my bike. Yeah, I was on my bike today. As it's not worth it. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it goes at that deep. I think those organizations are, are behind the Mothers Against Drunk Driving simply because it looks good. I, I'm sure that there are other groups that don't have anything to do with the automotive industry that are also funding Mothers Against Drunk Driving. And you know, is there a theory behind that? It's doubtful. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. Oh, speaking of driving, this is the bit of good news that I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to the Transportation Committee in the state of New Hampshire, they have now voted 3-2 to two to kill the mandatory seatbelt bill here in the state. Really? But apparently it's not over there. For some reason, even though they voted to kill the bill, it can still go to the full Senate for a vote. Well, so, it's,
1: it's because what they did was they voted, um, voted it as... Uh, uh, there's, there's inexpedient to, to legislate. Right, inexpedient to legislate versus ought to pass. All that the committee does is makes a recommendation one way or the other as to how the bill is likely to proceed, and then it goes to the floor of the Senate, and there's still the possibility that it um, that if it was uh, called inexpedient to, uh, to legislate, um, then it would still pass, right. or ought to pass, it would still fail. So
0: I don't know if this is really great news or anything like that. But I call I, it good news. It's certainly a little bit of good news. So there. Um, we'll see what happens. Okay keep you up to date on uh, the very last state because 49 out of 50 have mandatory seatbelt laws for adults and New Hampshire's the only state that doesn't some people are trying to change that. We, of course, hope it stays the way it is. Uh, we'll let you know what happens. 800-259-9231. Ron Paul on civil disobedience. And whatever's on your mind if you make the call. That's coming up. Hour number is on the way. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number two, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. I mentioned that I had a uh, an excerpt from a Ron Paul speech about and that he supports civil disobedience, and here it is uh from com resistance need not be violent but the civil disobedience and this is like in the middle of one of his speeches i'm just reading you an excerpt mm-hmm. and
1: as you should have mentioned this is presidential candidate and representative united states representative ron paul
0: oh thank you I, I i guess i presume people already knew who he was yeah well he's so getting so popular now you know uh but the civil disobedience that might be required for the resistance that he's talking about it need not be violent might be required involves confrontation with the state and invites possible imprisonment. Peaceful, nonviolent revolutions against tyranny have been every bit as successful as those involving military confrontation. Mahatma Gandhi and Do- uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. achieved great political successes by practicing nonviolence. Yet they themselves suffered physically at the hands of the state. Well,
1: I don't know if I agree with that. Um, there were, there were, uh, at the same time that Martin Luther King was uh, doing his nonviolent protests, the Black Panthers were doing Violent protests. Um does uh-huh. that Luther-
0: have to do with Martin Luther King?
1: It shows that here you have a choice. You know, that we can protest uh nonviolently, or there's people out there that will get violent with you. At some point our nonviolent protests will turn to violent ones. Like, How does it a, show that? When did Martin Luther King of, turn violent? He never did. He so never what's had your point to. The point is, is there's still a threat of violence in it. If there's if it's just um you know, nonviolent wait, wait, protests. Who's threatening violence? The Black Panthers.
0: So what's that have to do with Martin Luther King?
1: It has nothing to do with Martin Luther King specifically, but they're both protesting the um, same thing, which is the treatment of black people in the United States. Okay. And they're sort of showing either or here. Would you like to work with the nonviolent people? Because if not, um, there will be more and more violent people as time
0: progresses. And you're asking that question of whom? The government? Yes. Okay. So you're saying that um, if the government doesn't do what the nonviolent people want then people are going to get violent. That's
1: yeah, what you're saying. Yeah. Sure, if tyranny continues that you know the nonviolent protests will turn into violent ones at some point. I mean there's still gotcha. a threat of violence inside of it all.
0: Inside non-vi- nonviolent protests, there's threat of violence? In in I the don't case of
1: so. in the case of Mon- uh, Martin Luther King there was In the case of Mahatma Gandhi there was there was, was certainly... Martin
0: Luther King threatening the government?
1: God, are you not listening
0: to the words I that are coming out of my mouth? You said there's a threat of violence in nonviolent protests.
1: There's an unspoken threat. In the specific instances of um, Martin Luther King and in Mahatma Gandhi, there mm-hmm. were violent situations, violent people that were going around wanting the same thing that the nonviolent people were.
0: So I you don't think deal- that means that the nonviolent people are threatening the government, though. You're not saying that, are you? I'm not saying that they're making a verbal threat. I'm not saying you're saying they're making a verbal threat. You're saying it's a nonverbal threat. You're saying it's an implication. Look, and I don't believe that there's an implication of that sort of thing. Uh, Russell Canning? I mean, well, who's talking about Russell Canning? We're talking about Martin Luther King and Mahatma Gandhi. Well, Russell Canning, uh, I think, idolizes uh, Mahatma Gandhi to an extent and great is trying to do similar things a la non-violent protests. And I mean, I don't know Gandhi. I don't saying, know if he was a violent guy. He's but,
1: not. All I'm saying is that the time both of these circumstances were going on, there were other competing groups mm-hmm. that were using violence. Now, who's to say which group made it happen? Okay, I see where you're coming from there, but that the doesn't... Press, the press is that, um, first off, the violent, nonviolent groups managed to do it. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. I certainly don't know. Okay. Secondly, it's um, saying, you know, the, the term nonviolent um, protest in these two particular circumstances isn't exactly correct because there's still a sort of veiled threat of violence. That's there's,
0: what I disagree with you there's on.
1: There's unhappy people on both sides of the equation. Some of them are being Just vi-
0: because there's some loudmouth threatening violence who lives across the state from me And enacting doesn't- violence doesn't mean that I, I as a nonviolent protester, have veiled threats that I'm making. I'm not I'm not threatening anybody. I, you're saying that the government might interpret it that way? Is that what you're saying? Like the government might it's be scared most, of the nonviolent people because of violent people? I guess I'm saying people?
1: it's the most subtle of threats. Look, we're being nonviolent and doing our protests now, mm-hmm. and you better listen to them, is what I'm saying. Okay,
0: I I get I get where you're coming from. And I from, don't though. know what he's and so you're not and saying I don't that necessarily it's agree that
1: these um, that there are have really been any successful nonviolent um, protests ever.
0: Okay, um, I don't know what the the history of all of the nonviolent protesting have, have been, but mm-hmm. I would think that those are the certainly ones. there are some examples that you're wrong about. Okay, um, but you're saying that the the nonviolent protesters aren't necessarily they don't have any intention of being violent not, they don't not at those uh, specific,
1: not at those specific times, but everybody it, it, most people will get violent if they get pushed far enough. I see where you're coming from. and I'm just saying look we're being pushed here that's all
0: all right so uh, Ron Paul says, but whether resistance against government tyrants is nonviolent or physically violent, the effort to overthrow state oppression qualifies as true patriotism. True patriotism today has gotten a bad name at least from the government and the press those who now challenge the unconstitutional methods of imposing an income tax on us, like Ed Brown is Mm -hmm. doing in Plainfield, or force us to use a monetary system designed to serve the rich at the expense of the poor, are routinely condemned. These American patriots are sadly looked down upon by many. They're never praised as champions of liberty as Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. have been. Liberals who withhold their taxes as a protest against war are vilified as well, especially by conservative statists. Unquestioned loyalty to the state is especially demanded in times of war. Lack of support for a war policy is said to be unpatriotic. Arguments against the, we see it all over the place, support the troops. It doesn't matter what you think about the war, you've got to support the troops, that sort of mentality, Mm -hmm. you know, the idea that you must support some aspect of what the government is doing in order to be a true patriot. Of course, Ron Paul is saying that's not true. He says that uh, arguments against a particular policy that endorses a war once it's started are always said to be endangering the troops in the field. Right. You can't can't possibly speak out about what's going on without endangering the troops. You might make a troop cry. This, they blatantly claim, is unpatriotic and all dissent must stop. Yet it is dissent from government policies that defines the true patriot and champion of liberty. I agree completely.
1: I like the sound of the speech.
0: Dissent is what it's all about. And uh, and that's what we do on a nightly basis here on Free Talk Live. Well, uh, not
1: just for the sake of dissent. <laughs> well, there's plenty of things that we can... There's reasons yeah, to dissent yeah, there's, about. There's there's plenty of things that we can dissent about, and we have very good reason for it.
0: one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one 259 9231 is the toll-free PAC, uh the SACL-CAI toll-free line. And uh, let's see, what else do we have to talk about here tonight? There's uh, Bush. You know what? We didn't get to this last night. George W. Bush. And... The seatbelt crackdown. Maybe you've heard on your local radio station the advertisements that have been running nationwide. It's funny hearing them run in uh, New Hampshire because it's the one state where there isn't a a mandatory seatbelt law. But this Memorial Day weekend, or I think it's actually all week long, we're cracking down. Look out for the cops because they're looking for you. If you
1: don't have your seatbelt
0: on, you're going to get a ticket. Yeah. I mean, that's it. I mean, it is a very scary, very ominous sounding commercial. Look out, Americans, because we're serious. And, uh, you know, it really is ominous. It's scary as it could be. Yeah, I like it. One of our uh, (laughs) one of our bulletin board posters posted this story about uh, George Bush. And the first line was buckle into fascism. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was brilliant. Uh, but George W. Bush apparently isn't too concerned about this uh, seatbelt crackdown, is he? He's he's
1: he's the president. Why should he be? USA's Today. David Jackson says the White House press corps is buzzing over the latest mystery: Does President Bush wear a seatbelt?
0: I don't know what the mystery is. I saw a picture, and he was clearly not wearing the seatbelt. Two, <laughs> two pictures. I got two pictures. Okay.
1: Spokesman Tony Snow declined to answer the query Tuesday morning after a reporter pointed out the Bush appeared to be Sand's seatbelt when tooling around his pickup truck last weekend. Bush was driving around his ranch in Texas, which I'm not sure that he, he would, one would be legally mandated to wear a seatbelt while on private oh, property.
0: Oh, the story I read said he was driving around the, the, that area of Texas, not necessarily on his ranch. Uh,
1: driving around his ranch
0: hmm, As opposed okay.
1: around on his ranch I don't know uh,
0: It sounded like he was driving in that area Not necessarily on his property But yes, if it is your private property Then certainly the government doesn't have a uh, purview Over whether or not you wear a seatbelt um, But shouldn't he be setting an example Well, Let me
1: get through, let me get through the article And uh, you'll see that there's even more doubt than just the ranch
0: one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one 259 9231 Johnson, Dave in Montana Your calls as well About whatever you want to talk about This is your show, it is Free Talk Live You take control. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring in whatever you want toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark, 1-800-259-9231. Join us online, freetalklive.com, all the features for free, including the wiki. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. Head over to wiki.freetalklive.com to see what that's all about and experience the over 1,350 pages created by listeners just like you, Wiki. Dot freetalklive.com. And do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? Well, Saquel CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. Saquel's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you'd like to keep your clients, too. Saquel CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. That's 1-800-544-6359. And do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. Talking about George W. Bush and the fact that he might not wear a seatbelt. Or at least he's been caught red-handed for at least one instance of him not wearing his belt. According to, is it the AP article that you have? USA Today. USA Today. Um, Now,
1: it's not definitive uh, proof at this point. So anyway, um, let's see. When driving around his ranch in Texas, giving a tour to NATO uh, General, Secretary General Jop de Hoop Scheffer, I guess I have to learn a new uh, attorney uh, Secretary General of the UN. Snow said, I don't ask, I don't know, when uh, asked whether Bush uses seatbelts. That's Tony Snow, the press secretary, um, uses seatbelts. Ditto for whether Bre- Bush was wearing safety belts while traveling in a presidential motorcade. Government uh, spends a lot of money on the president's health and safety, and Snow said he'd seen Bush wear a belt in the uh, presidential limo, though his analysis is not comprehensive. My ventures in the limo are relatively rare, Snow said. The news that Bush isn't religious about wearing a seatbelt comes as, um, as police across the U.S. are cracking down on drivers and passengers as part of the federal government's Click it or ticket campaign. A quick search of USA Today's photo archive suggests that the president went without a seatbelt while driving his Russian um, driving Russian President Vladimir Putin, Italian Prime Minister Silvio Ber- Berlusconi, and Japanese Prime Minister Ko- Koizumi. Um, Bush isn't alone. Not long ago, um, you know, New Jersey Governor. Anyway, they they show a couple of pictures here and no seatbelt. One of them looks like it could have been a photo op picture, mm-hmm. like they were just. Hi, right, we got into this truck to take a picture. Right, the other one—he's
0: clearly driving in the. He's other phone,
1: driving right? that one. Yeah, he's he's driving those guys, and he doesn't seem to have a seatbelt on.
0: Tisk tisk. Yeah, but you know he's better than we are. Now, now, no, the, no cop's going to give him a ticket. The New Jersey governor got a ticket. He actually did get a ticket for uh, for not wearing his seatbelt. Yeah, but they dropped
1: it. Did they? I yeah, didn't know that. Uh, well, it was my understanding that uh, a citizen brought uh, some kind of charge against him, and then um the, then it was dropped after he apologized. <laughs> I
0: don't know that he got a ticket. So is this just the height of hypocrisy or what? its The the article I guess the article I saw was the, uh, the AP story, which phrases it this way. It says that the question arose Tuesday, Bush's first full day back in town after a weekend at his ranch in Texas where he was spotted driving a pickup truck without a seatbelt. Okay, you're right. It does say it was at his ranch. I thought it – I the way I misread it was uh, he was in town where the photo was taken, so mm. my mistake. But either way, if it's your government that's claiming that everyone should buckle up, certainly the president, the highest office in said government, should be setting a good example.
1: For Especially, me. yeah, when, when it's now a federal click it or ticket program that's going on. I mean, this is the, this is the guy. He's the
0: figurehead of the whole federal um, executive branch. Yep. He should be doing that one 800 let us go to David in Montana. You take control of the airwaves, listening on KGEZ. Hey, David.
6: Hey. What's do anywhere? what I say, not what I do. Yep. Shut up, chew, and swallow. <laughs> there you go. Hey, uh, I got to talk to Mr. Never Get Busted Again today. He, uh, Barry inter- Cooper? Yeah, they interviewed him on uh, the hometown uh, station, KGEZ. Ah, yes, excellent. And I got to call in and talk to him, and that guy's a uh, big, fresh breath of fresh air He sure is and uh you know the the get high part of marijuana isn't nothing compared to what that plant has to offer through nutrition clothing uh, building materials uh
0: Absolutely hemp is uh, a
6: 25,000 uses yeah. the the problems of the earth is calling for this plant right now it it consumes the it's one of the most consuming Carbon dioxide plants on the planet. If they're worried about global warming, Just they should be more growing pot. this stuff like like uh, corn and wheat.
0: They they it's, really should. And and, they, and you're right. There are so many plants you can make from it. It's more nutritious
6: than wheat. It's more nutritious than wheat and soybeans. <laughs> Wayne eats the seeds. I've seen him do right. it. Right. Uh, it's 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 more nutritious than fish oil because the fish oil you got to worry about the mercury and everything. And the oil it has all your omegas, all the super omegas. It's it's a wonderful. You know, I think plant. I think that
0: eventually we could have fields of marijuana, but first we need to start by planting them out in front of police departments nationwide. And How about and that? There's
6: there's 52 different varieties of it. Hops is a variety of it. You know, and people drink it every day. But uh, everybody in the listening voice in the listening. Zone of my voice should yes. just call in, and with this big bio push for the biofuels, hemp is number one. It's on the top of the list, and we should all be calling for the use of this plant. And, and its ignorance, that and, you know, and corruption.
0: I wonder but, what the fastest way. Uh, what, what is the most uh, efficient path towards legalizing, or rather, re-legalizing marijuana? I well, mean, see, it, the, it's one they, thing to call a politician and tell him about how great great hemp is, but politicians just doesn't care. Uh, it's, he's it's just concerned with what's going to get him reelected. And it's so, a
6: tax trick is what it is. They, you have to apply. See, I, Montana doesn't have a law about growing hemp, right? So I called up the the state law library, and they say no, there is no law about growing hemp. Really. But to grow hemp, you have to get its class one drug because there's 1.003 milligrams right. of THC in there. Actually, I think them. it's Not even yeah. enough to get an ant high, you know. Right. Um, now, and, uh so you got to have a of,
0: federal license as well. Right, so you've
6: got to call the DEA to get the license. Mm-hmm. So I called the DEA, and I told them, hey, there's no uh, uh, law in, in Montana about growing hemp. I want to apply for the the... The, the permit. permit, you know, mm-hmm. for the registration, and they go, okay, we're gonna give you this number. You call this number, and then nobody never answers. That's it, it's how it is. A runaround. Welcome and to that, the government. And that, and that and that 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 shouldn't stop us. That that's craziness. That's insanity. Well, I'd you know.
0: like to see, and and David, thank you for the call. I appreciate it at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I'd like to see, and it's, I mean, it's not totally useless to call a politician, but it's virtually useless. In most cases, they don't I, seem to really care. No, no, they just care about what's going to get them reelected. And and right now, the politicians believe that an anti-drug stance is going to get them reelected. What we need to do is show them and everyone in America how widespread marijuana truly is. I really think that if we were to have protests like they did uh, earlier this year, I think it was uh, May 5th. In, in Vancouver and across, uh, across Canada, they had protests where people actually went to you know, their state capitals or whatever, the city town halls, that sort of thing. They gathered together, and thousands of people got together and smoked marijuana in public. I think that something visible like that, something that that will allow marijuana smokers to sort of come out from the shadows, those that have the courage to, you know, come out of the closet, I think that could have a real persuasive effect on some people. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. The show is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. If you want to take control of the airwaves, toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line for you, and it's Ian here with you and Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, including updates. You just get signed up at updates.freetalklive.com, and we clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. In fact, I sent out an update today, as a matter of fact. Updates.freetalklive.com. Oh, the update was about um, our new poll.
1: Yeah, you can go to poll.freetalklive.com. That's P-O-L-L.freetalklive.com
0: and participate. Yeah, I haven't, we haven't actually had a new poll in quite a long time. Mm-hmm. And I just sort of, this is something I just sort of thought up recently. We've, we've had two different slogans attached to the show for a while now. And one of them is talk radio you control. Which is sort of grammatically weird. Well, no, it's the grammatically weird version is the one that's on our website, right? The, that's talk radio where you are in control. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I'm sorry. So talk radio you control is sort of the shortened version that's, of that. That's the right way to say it. Excuse me. Right. And, and shows how good my grammar is. And that's the, you know, that's the public, uh, that's the public tagline, slogan, right. if you will. And then there's the industry slogan that right. we came up with. This which is what is, we
1: sort of market to uh, program directors, radio stations, radio stations
0: that kind right. of thing. The industry slogan is talk radio's insurrection because it's not talk radio you control the ra- businesses you know the radio station, they don't, they don't care it. about that they don't control it and so it's not appropriate to use that on them but the question is which one's better you know should we take the uh, should we keep talk radio you control or should we replace it with talk radio's insurrection you know uh, because
1: was, go ahead there was a time when we when we came up with the talk radio you control um that people controlled the show more they'd call in they'd talk about uh, m- Anything they wanted to talk about, our political ideas. That still happens. It does. I'm not saying that it doesn't, that people don't call in and talk about what they want to talk about, but the show's pretty focused on um, issues. It's issues-oriented. It's not so much uh, people calling in and uh, doing funny voices like they used to or, you know, comedy skits, uh, skits and, and that, and that has
0: be, more to do with the fact that we're just not on an, that, the FM talk station. Absolutely true. The, the audience. I, the, the
1: show has evolved. The statement has not. And I'm wondering whether it's still um, entirely appropriate. And we don't really let people pound an issue. We talk to them about that issue, present the libertarian side of it, and uh, then we move on and find somebody else talking about something and then we talk uh, talk about the libertarian side of that. And so it's, yeah, you know, we, we're, we're well, no one was issue. ever
0: no one was ever really allowed to be a seminar caller or whatever. They, no, no one could ever pound an issue. If you're entertaining, you stay on the air longer. If mm-hmm. you're droll and terrible, uh, you're not going to last very long. But everybody gets a crack. Everybody gets a shot. They do. At, at bringing up what whatever they want. Uh, Talk and radio, that, where you where you can get on the air. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, no, you you control the topic. That's what that's what that means. Talk radio, you control. You you get to control the topic on. And I'm not saying that's that's going to change. I'm just saying, you know, what's a sexier marketing phrase? Right. Is it because um, most people don't? The reality is ninety nine percent of listeners never call the show. Obviously, we'd like to have as many people call the show as we'd like. And and part of getting people to call a talk radio show is talking in terms of you. So how do you feel about this? How do you know what's your opinion on so and so issue? That's that's one of the ways you get people involved. You get people to pick up that phone for the first time. But 99% of the people still are just never going to call. So technically, it isn't talk radio they control. It's just talk no. radio they listen talk to. Talk
1: radio somebody's controlling, and uh, right. it's not them.
0: So that's um, but that's what you can go and vote on at poll.freetalklive.com. Let's go to Johnson in Connecticut. You're on Free Talk Live, uh, and uh, hello there.
7: Hey, guys. Uh, you know, uh, the, the uh, statement, I'll tell you, uh, as far as that uh, whole slogan thing goes, uh, I'm definitely uh, leaning towards the talk radio you control. I think it's simple. I think uh, it's fairly short syllables as far as that goes, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's easily understandable by the average American. And, and you invented uh, I, it,
1: right? <laughs> no.
3: no. I
7: didn't invent that.
1: Oh, you didn't? I no. Don't know.
0: I guess oh. it was me. I don't know. It's okay. been a long time. it yeah.
1: been a long time. No, no. I, I,
7: I support it because it's simple. I support that, you know, like the, right. the logic uh, statement, keep it simple, stupid. Uh, and kept, insurrection kept is a big Who are you word. Who
1: stupid? Hmm? Who are you calling stupid,
0: Pudgy?
7: The, the average American. <laughs> okay,
0: go ahead. And, and insurrection That's, is an awfully engineers big Engineers made word.
7: that. And, and I would say that some engineers who are a lot smarter than me came up with the uh, keep it simple, stupid principle. Yeah, and it's, so, a it's an excellent one. So
1: what's so, up, man? Uh, what's on your mind?
7: Yeah, well, what I wanted to call in was about uh, violence and, and violence protests and violent groups you guys were talking about a little while mm-hmm,
3: ago. Mm-hmm.
7: Um, and I think one uh, group, two groups to, to keep in mind would be you brought up Martin Luther King. Um, and I think another group to bring up would be uh, the Black Panthers.
0: That's what Mark as mentioned, as, yes.
7: That's sort of the counterpart to them. Well, I think what, what's an interesting kind of principle that you just touched on is I think in order for any movement to be effective, you really need to have the, both sides of that coin. Um, I think that while I don't I disagree with Mark's statement that uh, the peaceful protesters, there's always a threat of violence, I think that that is, in fact, the opposite of what's true. However, I think that that threat of violence definitely needs to be there for, an, for a movement to be effective. So I think it's very important to have both of those groups, to have the black, your Black Panthers, to put the fear of whatever into the government, and uh, to have the nonviolent protesters that get the, uh, the media attention, because they're the safe ones. They're the ones that people can really pay attention to, you know, that the media will actually focus on uh, n- rather than the violent ones. So, you know, having both sides of that coin is, I think, very important.
0: I see where you're coming from, and and I guess having violent people around would give the nonviolent uh, protesters uh, something to point to and say, hey, at least we're not those guys, you know, or or we're not threatening violence on you like those guys are, and so maybe... You know, maybe that's something that makes them look better. I don't know.
7: I think it makes it into what I think what it does is it's the combined synergy of those groups makes it into a media machine. You know, and it makes it into something that gets into the hearts and minds of every single person. And I think that's what's important is you get something that's so bold that it, it, there's nothing. You know, that it can't help but be noticed.
0: Now, here's a question for you: Would you consider threats like? Uh, Okay, would you consider threats um violence or somewhere in between nonviolence and violence so for instance uh if you were to call up the police department or a call up better yet the county prosecutor or something like that and you know threaten him to say if you uh you know if you arrest one more person for marijuana smoking, we're gonna set your house on fire or something like that I'm not advocating cool. anyone do this uh, but would would that be considered violence or Something in between. To me it's violence. I think it's I think it's considered violence because at that point you, you may be, you know, with
7: especially with some people and I know I I'm pretty close to being this way. I don't know if I'm there yet, but for example, if you threaten to set my house on fire, I just you know, if, if I were the type of person who were to not actually seek police help or police uh assistance from whatever you know local legal body that there is Mm -hmm. if i were the type who weren't going to go and seek help from them and you threatened to burn my house
0: down i might just kill you well no 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 that threat would be made anonymously Right, but it,
1: it it doesn't change that it um, causes. You're, you're doing something. Um, you're, you're speaking, and it's causing somebody to react. Um, you're speaking violence. You're talking about violence, and it's causing them to react. Um, they may have a heart attack. They may run out of the house, mm-hmm. uh, you know, quickly and not paying attention. Get hit by a car. You know, all kinds of um, extraneous things happen when you go That's into what? a bank. And you uh if you have a coat on and you stick your finger like you've got a gun in your pocket right. at the bank teller and tell them to get give me it, your, get money, your money
0: see?
1: you've committed, <laughs> you've committed
0: violence. <laughs> okay, okay, I understand that. But shouting I, fire in a theater so is those who those violence. who advocate fighting a riot. Those who advocate violence Um, And I'm not a fan of those people. But those who advocate violence against the government would would justify it by saying, well, the government's already violent. I mean, they're they're enforcing their laws through by force on us. So therefore, violence is an appropriate response. But maybe um maybe since the government really isn't being violent out and out, maybe because the government itself is threatening that violence, because that's what the government is always yeah. doing, it's always threatening you with violence. So wouldn't that be you know, fair is fair, government threatens you, you threaten the government? I don't know
7: if you've been watching the news lately, but every protest I've seen that's been peaceful has gotten violent, and it certainly hasn't been from the peaceful side. It's been from the government side. That's true. Uh, and, and that's like most protests recently. It's it's like almost like you can't have a protest in this country without uh, getting a rubber bullet in you.
0: You Johnson, know, final thoughts?
7: Great right at you. Uh, you know, that's just it. I, I think that both sides need to definitely be represented in order for there to be a really effective movement. That's really just my basic point. Thanks for
0: the call. 800-259-9231. I'm not advocating it. I don't, I'm don't. i not a fan of the violent people, but I, I guess I, I kind of agree with Johnson. At least it gives you a group to point to and say, hey, you know, we're not being like they are. More on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free. And we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by buying some stuff at our store. Head over to store.freetalklive.com. Place your order. It is still the pre-order phase for all of our brand-new products, including the 2-gigabyte Free Talk Live Multi Gadget, which I think I'm going to order one for myself. Really? Because uh, my old MP3 player is kind of uh, crapping out, and the Multi Gadget's so darned affordable. I mean, there's just no reason not to get one. No,
1: if you're going to get an MP3 player anytime in the relatively near future, you should get this because it's just that.
0: Yeah, and you should get this, and you should get it now because we're limiting it to 100 units. That's all we're going to to put out there. Uh, it's two gigabytes. It's an MP3 player. It's a voice recorder, so you can keep it with you uh, for any interactions with the police, for instance. Uh, and it is also a flash drive. It's also an FM tuner, all rolled into one for less than sixty bucks. Plus, we've got uh, Free Talk Live other merchandise like the Free Talk Live beanie cap, the bottle uh, bottle lighter opener, bottle lighter bottle opener combo, as well as the Free Talk Live ladies shirt, the Free Marketeer T-shirt, and the brand new Free Talk Live hoodies. That and all of our older items for sale. Store. dot dot com so, Mark, let's jump into the email box here. I believe you have one or two different emails you wanted to bring up tonight. The first one from Brilliant, right. right? Um, yeah, Brilliant, uh,
1: active member on our BBS, and yes. uh, she sends a. Um, we last night we sort of discussed. Uh, Holland, or we discussed... It was Am- Tuesday night. Was but, it Tuesday night? Okay, yeah. Amsterdam, and, uh, you know, where is it? Is it in Holland? Is it in um, the Netherlands? Is it in Denmark? I don't know. You know, um, I get them all kind of confused. And we screwed it up for the second time, too. Yeah, we really, we... you know, it's pretty clear. We don't know where the hell Denmark is, where Holland is, where Netherlands is. Right. And we have listeners over there, and if you're in any way offended, we're terribly sorry. We're sure. just idiot Americans, and you probably can't tell me where Poughkeepsie is. Sure. All right?
0: I can't even tell you where Poughkeepsie is. It's in New York, isn't it? I could have told you that much, but I couldn't tell you where in New York.
1: Well, you know, you just kind of take a shot at it on the map and say, oh, yeah, I meant there. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, she sends me a scalding email um, today. Hmm. It says, Amsterdam's in Holland or the Netherlands. Either one is acceptable. It's not Denmark, okay? If you're going to use Amsterdam as an example of sex and or drug freedom, it's important to know where
0: it is. I don't know if it's really that important. We sort of knew it was in Europe. I don't, I don't
1: know that it is, as a matter of fact, um, that important. But anyway, she says... Uh, um, yeah, we
0: can still make points about drug legalization without knowing Because where everybody it is. knows
1: that Amsterdam you know, has legal drugs. Right. Anyway, um, you know, she says that, and then she says... Um, she she listens to the show. She's telling somebody on the message board. She listens to the show, and she says, Oh, gosh, effing darn it. Um, things Ian and Mark should not talk about. And then she makes a little list here. Oh, Geography. Really? Now... I, you know, if you go up against me in uh, Trivial Pursuit in the ge- geography section only, I'm likely going to win. I'm pretty good at geography. Really? I just don't happen to know that. And, you know, okay. I should I'm know okay that. I'm okay at it. I, I should I, know that. I, you know, we've gone over it once. I've had my chance to make my mistake. There's, it's As far as I'm concerned, there's no
0: excuse for me not knowing that. Yeah. For me personally. Now. okay, let's learn it now, so the Netherlands is the country, then Holland is part of the Netherlands, but and then Amsterdam call,
1: is part of of Holland, but you can still call um the Netherlands Holland if you wish in in the same way you can call uh, the Soviet Union Russia, okay, okay, um not that the Soviet Union exists anymore, but you know that, that example it. still holds um and then Amsterdam is the uh, a large city there. I would imagine the capital. Um, and see, there we go. I'm going to get scolded. For that <laughs> right? Denmark, completely different country. Capital Copenhagen. There you go. Okay. Um, now that's what, that's it. What's the says, capital
0: of Luxembourg? It is
1: Luxembourg. Oh, you're right. Um, it's just a city state. The What's thing, the capital of Andorra? It is Andorra. It's a city state. I'm trying to throw you off. Okay. Right? You do know your geography. <laughs> um, you start going to South America. That's where you're going to get me. Mm. Um, you know, Southeast Asia. Things Ian and Mark should not talk about. Number two, history of religions. Once again, I'm not uninformed in this arena, um, but she says um, it was the selling of indulgences. Now, I said, you know, I can't remember what they're called, uh, but basically the church was selling sin. I got the idea, the general idea there. Um, Martin Luther protested. Mark, no. You know, I think Rillian should Hold get her own talk show. No, evangelical Lutherans do not jump around and play tambourine. <laughs> I didn't even make that accusation that evangelical Luther- Lutherans I did, did such a thing. I said that. Right, okay. So and I, I said,
0: don't they play tambourine? Because I didn't know. I asked the question. Right. I, I didn't make an assertion.
1: Evolution. She says we shouldn't talk about evolution. But because you believe it and I don't. And I make some statements that, for whatever reason, the science types out there just don't
0: particularly like.
1: Well, I know, happen to not entirely believe in evolution. That's okay. It's just a belief.
0: I happen to not care. Yeah. Um, I don't believe in God, but I just don't care about and it. And then
1: uh, point number four is much of science, actually. So um, yeah. now, now she's pointing out... It's true. Here, I
0: learned about science from the government, so I'm really a little bit clueless. Here's the it. larger picture
1: of this. It's true. We are a pair of boobs on the radio. We've never, expe- we've, never com- right. we've never claimed to be anything if I knew, else.
0: If I knew something about science, I'd be a scientist. But here's the expectation. If I knew something about religion, I'd be a reverend. If people, um, people
1: believe that if you're on the radio, that for some reason the things you say need to be right every yeah. time. Now, we're just human beings over here. If you think I'm your preacher, so therefore I'm correct from a religious standpoint, you're wrong. If you think I'm a college professor, no. No, I'm not. I'm a guy who's entertaining on the radio. I must be because we're adding stations. We're getting bigger. That's
0: yeah, I, all. I did, you know, I did radio because I didn't want to do anything else. You know, I'm lazy. I didn't want to go and lay any bricks. I didn't really have a skill. I could press buttons, so I went into radio.
1: Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to have people listen okay. to you. And um, here's the, and, and this is the only part that uh, that sort of bothers me Mark, at all. Hold we're on. shattering the dream here. We're shattering the mythology. That's why we, we're doing it. Look, Rush Limbaugh doesn't do the thinking for you. If you think a radio talk show host does the thinking for you. You're mistaken. We're here to help you think, to make you think about some new things, and entertain you. That's all. We're gonna be wrong, but more importantly, it's the abdication of the listener. And in a lot of cases, this is true. The abdication of the listener of their own responsibility yeah. for knowing things. They want Rush is right us to provide and. Part of the thing that we do is shatter that paradigm. We do not provide you with the information. We go through articles, we read things, but we are not right every time. You cannot believe what we say. You must research these things on your own. You are responsible for your own education. And that's what libertarianism
0: is. It's responsibility. You're always responsible uh, for deciding who your leaders are if you mm-hmm. if you select a leader then it's it's that was your choice. you decided I'm going to follow this person whatever they say, which is a silly thing to do in the first place but if you're going to do that, that was your decision. If you're going to follow somebody, you should at least make a habit of questioning the things that that person says. Don't presume that they're godlike or superhuman or should know everything where you don't. And no, They're just people, too. And that's, that's, what, I'm, that's what I said. You know, uh, we're, Here we are ruining the mythology of talk radio. This is one of the rules in talk radio is that as a talk radio host, you're supposed to be right all the time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're uh, on the left or on the right. You're supposed to be correct. And if someone disagrees with you, that person's wrong. It doesn't matter what points they have. You're the host, so you're right. When they told me that, in that little training session that we went right. to a long time ago, I, you know, I, I kicked it right out of my mind the, the moment I left. I, I, I rejected that immediately because I know that I'm fallible. I'm a human being. I can make mistakes. We're all people. That's it. I mean, People who are on the radio are just people who, for whatever reason, happened to get hired by some radio station somewhere, and they worked their ways uh, up the ranks, and now they've got their own nationally syndicated talk show. They're just people, too. So they are not, you know, the right hand of Jesus Christ or, you know, they are not the mouthpiece of uh, of God and all that is true. Mm-hmm. So please, I, I think it's important to shatter that dream. I think it's important to uh, to shatter that misperception because we get it all the time. People email me. I, I mean, I, I've never, I haven't read emails like that on the air, but people, I, people email me about that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, you should know this and you should know that. Forget like it's you. Supposed to be, you know,
1: we're supposed to know really deep stuff about economics because we're on the air. Right. You know, Whatever it is that the person wants us to know, they want us to know it, and they want. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, that's that's just. It's not fair, um, to yourself to believe that um we are going to be be able to provide all the information. Now, really, and goes on, and um, you know, we emailed today, and she let me off the hook for these things when she
0: realized, oh yeah. These guys
1: are just boobs, but you right know. you
0: listen to the show not to uh, you listen to the show to be entertained and maybe pick up a tidbit of information mm-hmm. here and there these
1: uh, These people on the radio are not college professors because likely the college professor isn 't going to be entertaining enough right. Rush Limbaugh hasn 't finished college. You you've got your AA. Yeah, I mean by and no. I shouldn't means, have gotten that. By by no means an achievement education. The the highest achievement I've got ex convict. Okay, I Julia mean, dropped out. You know that's just it. You, you know I mean, there you go. Yeah. Not not gods so, on yeah, the radio.
0: We're just people doing a radio Us show. And
1: every all of them. that's, that's the, right. That's the point I want to Don't
0: make. Don't let them fool you. Don't let those... Just because Rush says he's uh, the right hand of God or can defeat God with his hands behind him, what the hell is he saying? What are his catchphrases?
1: Well, he says that uh, he's uh, uh, talent on loan from God and then uh, something with half his brain tied behind his back, I don't remember.
0: That's just
1: just showmanship. That's all that is. Yeah, and good showmanship.
0: And every single listener can have their laundry list of things that they wish that we knew better and that, you know, you guys should research this. Spend all your time looking into these issues. Get that. i really have enough time to, you know, go out and do the things I want to do in life, let alone do all this research. Hour number three is coming back. This isn't a research show, and it's not a show about statistics or facts. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number three, and you can bring it whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site are totally free, so enjoy those on us. That is freetalklive.com. Going right into the phone calls. Let's talk to Romans in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live on the Amplifier line.
8: Long live free talk. <laughs>
0: hey, Romans, what's on your I'm mind?
8: Telling, you know, do we think that you know maybe Dave might not be from Montana?
0: I don't know. I don't, I've never asked him that. I, I didn't Maybe
8: um, Witness Protection Program, New Jersey. Hey, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's a stretch. <laughs> but yeah, I called you guys once before, and last time I talked to you, I, talked, I invoked the name of the prophet Bill Hicks. And I talked about evolution. What he said was that, you know, the thumbs thing, and now we're evolving ideas.
0: Okay. So you I don't remember, Blaine. but okay.
8: Right. And you had Blaine call in a couple of nights ago. Is that his name, Blaine? He's.
0: No. I don't remember.
8: <laughs> he was very
0: confrontational with you guys. I, I, yes, as I recall. That I, I was a Saturday night caller, yes.
8: Okay, we, we listened to Blaine. We didn't think that Blaine is a stupid Muppron at all. He is a guy who's relatively intelligent, but yet he doesn't
5: get
0: it. Right. Blaine was the guy who was for small government, except in the area of security, where he wants a big old government to keep him and his family safe. And they
8: don't get the disconnect. No. So these ideas haven't evolved enough. They haven't gotten... uh, The the, the aggregate body of human minds hasn't evolved to the point where things like what Gandhi and these other peaceful people said, and Dave, and like Rob in Georgia, who's awesome... Mm-hmm. You know, I listen to these guys that call calling you guys, and and they so get it. And yet we get Blaine's out there. What? Come on, Blaine. Keep well, listening if you're out there, Blaine, but come on. They,
1: they, need, they need time to assimilate these things, and none of us got them overnight. No, you know, the, certainly the, the not. The concepts were, um, especially if they were told to us in a verbal fashion, um, for whatever re- reason, reading things makes, some, makes it often easier. But it's very difficult to get people to read libertarian literature. Um, right. So it takes longer to sort of convince them verbally.
0: Yeah, I mean i go ahead. I was just gonna say, I mean, it's been a long time coming for me to get to where I am. It's been seven years at least, maybe more, maybe like nine or ten years for you know, my process. So it's it's so definitely a process. And we when have to you, guys understand youngins,
8: that. you guys were youngins, you guys were and you were listening to Rush. I had Rush on at my desk at work and people would stop Oh, you listen to Rush? Oh, you believe in what Rush says? I said, mm, No, not really. Whoa, you listen to him? I said, He's an entertainer. He's an entertaining guy. I said, the ideas are out there. He says it's the arena of ideas. Yeah, you know, to a certain extent, he was presenting that conservative viewpoint in a new way for a lot of people. And that's great. But you guys, and like I told you when I talked to you last time, you guys are much more at the tip of the spear this way and, and aggressive, and it's great. And I wanted to give you one thing before you let me go, which is what I thought of the very first time I listened to you on a podcast. I was at a firearms manufacturer in northern New Hampshire, and they didn't allow that. And I needed something to listen to, and I got you guys on my mp3 player. And as soon as I listened to your show, the first ten minutes, what came to mind was a scene from a movie. And it goes shortly, other than the aqueduct, the piece, what have the Romans ever done for us? Now I don't hmm. know if you guys know what movie that's from. I it's have from no L- idea. No. Life I... of Brian by oh, Monty okay. Python. Okay. And it's a scene where these guys are you know, they're essentially conspiring to bring down the Romans. They're a Jewish sect, and it's right. a funny bit. But as soon as I heard you, that's what I thought. And, you know, there is a certain element of that, but you guys are actually activists. You moved, you relocated, you're, you're spreading the word of an active group. And that's powerful up here in New Hampshire. We do, we do walk the
0: walk. Thank you, Romans. We appreciate the call eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. And and I, you know, most of our listeners do appreciate what we do here on on this show. And most of the the uh, the emails that we get are of a positive nature. You've got one of those uh, coming up here in a moment, Mark. Uh, but I just wanted to just touch base on on something here in regards to what people think about talk radio and and about our role on on this show. You've, if you've listened to Free Talk Live for longer than, in some cases, a few minutes, you know there's something different about Free Talk Live. You know that there's something, uh, something that's significantly different about this program. And we we had started talking about this last hour, so to just basically recap for those of you just joining us, especially in West uh, West Virginia, we are talking about the mentality in talk radio that is the talk show host knows everything. And cannot be wrong. Right. That's the rule. Those are the one of the unspoken rules behind the scenes in talk radio. Talk show hosts are coached by their programmers to to tell the programmers tell them you cannot be wrong. If someone starts cornering you, hang up on that person and then you know insult them and and move on. Because even if you're even if you're getting uh, intellectually defeated, you you can't actually come out and say you know what I've changed my mind because apparently that makes you look weak. I mean, that's what they say. These are the things that they're told behind the scenes. And it's just not true. I mean, yeah, I don't know that, that, that... Why would that change people
1: listening? I, it, a certain amount of the uh, listening public wants the talk radio host to
0: be... Um, Infallible? Yeah, you know, a, a demigod. Um, I, I maybe, know. maybe they don't want to think. I, I'm not sure. But what I want to do on this show is encourage people to think and encourage people to uh, to look at the issues from perspectives they might not have necessarily considered. And And on this program... Since it's Free Talk Live and, and our spiel is that you can call and bring up anything, like Romans just did or or some of our callers earlier tonight had done, you can call and set the topic and bring up, you know, what you want. And because of that freedom that we, uh, that we allow our listeners and our callers, because of that, we have to sort of be guys that can say something to any topic. Like, anything can come up on Free Talk Live, so you and I, Mark, have to have something to say about it. I mean, even if that's, you know, just... Even Something. if it's just an awful call. Sometimes you'll sit,
1: uh, hear us sitting there going, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, you'll hear me ask for clarification. You'll hear me um, muddle, you know, not really understand what someone's saying and try my best to, uh, to comprehend it. I'm not going to pretend like I know what you're saying. If I don't, I'm going to come right out and say, is this what you're saying? I'm going to restate what somebody said so I can... I can try to get it. So mm-hmm. I can try to get it right. Does that make me come off as uh, mentally inferior? I don't know. I'm not sure how it makes me come off, but it certainly makes me feel honest with myself. And if I'm being dishonest with myself, I don't know how I could live with myself that right. way. I, certainly I don't want to do, do a show a, that way. Yeah, I couldn't do a show that way. And so we have to be prepared to handle any issue, which means that we have to know a little bit about a lot of things, Right. And over five years of doing, and in the five years or so of doing this show that we've done it, we've we've talked about a lot of topics and, sure and heard a lot of things and, and absorbed a lot of information, and a lot of that stuff comes up again and again.
1: And this isn't another story about somebody uh, drinking their own urine, is it? No. Do you remember that? The guy uh, called in about was, that, advocating the uh, drinking of his own urine? Yes. That was so weird. That was. You said we talked about so many different things. I we figured, do. I just picked the weirdest That's one. That's the
0: last example I would have chosen. <laughs> Because it has to do with bodily excretory functions. Uh, anyway, <laughs> what? So since we have to address these variety of issues, we can't we can't go in depth on everything. Look, if you want a show that knows everything about science, go call that si- the science show. There are shows out there. Uh, th- there's like a science guy that has a show somewhere out there. Go I'm call sure his it's good. show. I'm sure he can really go into detail. But if you ask him about the minimum wage your call's not going to get you're not your call's not going to get through so if you want to call a specialty show go call a specialty show and talk to the experts about whatever it is you want to talk to them about and and you can expect them to know a thing or two right. there's gar-
1: there's gardening shows there's fishing right. shows there's plumbing shows i've heard a plumbing show before right don't expect that from us and
0: certainly don't Although I know a little bit about plumbing. And don't expect us to go and do hours and hours of research on one particular topic because that's what other call, you know, that's what other talk show hosts do is they've got their crack research teams right. that go out there and they they exhaustively research one topic and they come up with a bunch of statistics and they come up with articles and they come up with information and they you know that's all compiled together and the talk show host has it in front of him and the talk show host goes through and, you know he marks it up and he puts notes on there and he you know he talks he mo- makes notes for what he wants to discuss and some of the bullet points on what he wants to go over and they take that topic and they spend an entire hour on it yep You know, it's possible for us to go to uh, to go an hour on a topic, but only if we have phone calls to feed that hour. Right. We have no intention of doing that. With uh, we we make a a, do a
1: certain amount of show prep and you know sort of bring things up to get the the ball rolling, as it were. And And some people call in
0: about it. Some people don't. Finally, my final thought on this is that if you hear us make a mistake, if you hear us sounding uninformed, please. Call in and correct us. Yeah, that's all. There's no problem with that. But if you can't call in and correct us within, you know, a couple of minutes and do it to where people actually want to listen to what you have to say, I mean, something overly technical, that would be horrible radio. But if you can't call in and summarize it and give us the executive summary, don't expect us to go and trudge through pages upon pages of, you know, of exhaustive research just so we can learn how we were wrong about something. (laughs) We just don't have the time for it. We're general interest talk show hosts. You take control. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL-CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All of the features are completely free, and that does include the live streams, broadband version, a dial up version, both waiting for you for free at freetalklive.com. Opportunistic
1: lawyers, judges, future ex spouses, disgruntled employees, and meddling bureaucrats. These people want your money, home, and car. What have you done to protect yourself? At KeepYourAssets.net they're experts in sheltering your wealth. Go to KeepYourAssets.net and take their asset protection crash course today. It's not just for rich people. They'll show you how to keep your assets. Keepyourassets.com. Dot, dot .net, actually. Dot net? I'm sorry. I, I, I couldn't see it on the, the paper.
0: All right. So, again, we've been talking about the uh, some of the mythology of talk radio and how Free Talk Live sort of flies in the face of a lot of that. We break a lot of the rules of talk radio on this show. And um, while a traditional program director around the country might not like that, fact is breaking the rules is working for us, you know. Breaking the rules is getting us listeners, and if it's working, we're going to keep doing it. Um, so you can expect that out of us. And, well, and it,
1: we'd likely, like, um, likely, just to go out of business if it wasn't working for us. we, yeah. we wouldn't know the difference. But you know, exactly. it is working.
0: Um, and I had suggested before we went went to break that if you hear us make a just a blatant error, something that you really feel like needs to be corrected. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the best we we're
1: listening do, live and we have a lot of podcast listeners so that's not entirely fair.
0: Right. I and I suggested that people call in to to uh, to make the correction. I mean if it's really important enough you'll you'll do that. However, yes, it is an international show and people, you know, sleep and and rise at different times, and it may be physically impossible for you to call the show. But if you're going to send something to us, most corrections that people send are fairly short. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you know, it's this isn't the newspaper. We don't have a little section where we can do a bunch of corrections because it's just not compelling, interesting talk radio. Right. We'll do it from time to time if we think it was really that important. But if we mess up on a little factoid, then that's not really that critical. Right. For instance, uh, you know, the difference between uh, hanged and hung. Right. And I get corrections on my bad grammar frequently. Sure. Uh, but but and and that has a lot more to do with um, you know just being on the radio and trying to spew words out of your mouth is uh, for right. three hours and
1: one after another and uh, you know you don't have a script or anything like that you're likely going to mess up your grammar sometimes.
0: But I actually wanted to share before we go to an email that came in from somebody uh, like a positive email about how we've helped them and everything. I want to go to um, a a blog post that I found because remember I've got this search going on constantly that if someone posts a blog that references our show. I'll see it. Mm-hmm. And so this wasn't even sent to me. This was just posted on the internet and it's it's a valuable correction and and I was what I was going to say is if you're going to send us a correction, make it short, make it easily understandable. If it's something complex, give me an executive summary and write it in your own words so that so it's easily understandable because I get a bunch of emails and I can only spend so much time reading through mm-hmm. stuff
1: and dry academic stuff. Not that much fun.
0: Well, this one's a little academic, but I think it's kind of important. Okay. Um, it comes from thelibertypapers.org, and uh, Brad is the person who wrote this. It's about mercantilism, fascism, and corporatism. Okay. He says, recently I've been listening to Free Talk Live quite a bit and I've enjoyed it greatly. The hosts are Ian, an anarchist, though he calls himself a free marketeer, choosing to leave the baggage caused by misuse of the term anarchy behind, and Mark, who would best be described as a small government Republican in the RLC bend. They put on an entertaining show, but when when it comes to economic matters, they get deep into the muddled mess of ill-defined terms. They use the terms mercantilism, fascism, and corporatism quite interchangeably. Now, personally, I don't really think I've ever used corporatism except in maybe reading an article where it was mentioned. Okay. Um, and mercantilism is a new term to me, so I really don't know too well what it what it means. I sort of have a basic conceptual understanding of it. And so it's totally understandable that I could that I could mess this up. He says they further use mercantilism as their default term for what would be much more accurately termed corporatism. In the interest of clarifying the debate, here's a basic rundown of what we're talking about Mercantilism. It's separated from corporatism and fascism simply by its nature. Corporatism and fascism are political systems. Like capitalism, mercantilism is an economic theory. Mercantilism is a theory that the wealth of a nation is based upon its ability to amass gold and silver. And other valuable money. And thus, a nation who exports more than it imports will be getting richer and richer every day. Sort of the concept of the gross national product and that kind of thing. Of course, this theory on the wealth of nations was debunked rather thoroughly by Adam Smith in The Wealth of Nations. Mercantilism usually requires government intervention to be truly practiced. But mercantilism isn't about regulation or government sticking its hand uh, into domestic industries. It's primarily a theory that discusses such things as balances of trade, and in the modern area, ideas of dumping, devalued currencies, and outsourcing. Though Adam Smith debunked the theories of mercantilism, and, and economists ever since have taken an exacto knife to the remaining pieces, mercantile thinking skill resonates with the masses. Like many popular theories, it might not be right, but to a lot of people it sounds right. To confuse it with corporatism or fascism, however, is mistaken. And now corporatism and fascism, I place these two together, says Brad, because there are many similarities. They're both a political system, both political systems based on widespread government intervention and planning in the economy. They're both seen as a bit of a third way between capitalism and socialism, with corporatism seemingly nearer to capitalism and fascism seemingly nearer to socialism. There are a few main differences, though, most notably that fascism is a complete political system, whereas corporatism mainly deals with economic matters. But the biggest difference is who is pulling the levels of central planning and for what purpose. Fascism is a political system where individual interests are subservient to those of the state, In fascism, this occurs in all spheres of life, but this post deals purely with the economic. As I mentioned, fascism involves extensive central planning. It doesn't abolish private property, but it drastically curtails the scope of property rights. Property can be used by owners for all approved state purposes and only for those purposes. Venezuela, for example, would be more of a fascist state than a socialist state. But the key point of fascism is that it's an authoritarian state where the needs of the individual or corporation are subservient to those of the state. It's the politicians who are pulling the levers, and they're doing it for national honor. Corporatism, on the other hand, is a political system dominated by corporate interests with the stated goal of improving the economy. Individual rights are a little more widespread, but economic liberty is curtailed to ensure smooth and planned economic growth. While many would consider eminent domain cases like Hilo to be fascist, it's more accurate to describe it as corporatist. As it involves economic actors pushing government into violating individual rights to promote business interests. So, uh, as I understand it so far, he's saying that fascism is... You know, total control of people's private property and and companies by the state. Corporatism is where the corporations are more pushing the state to do certain right.
1: things. Right. Who's in charge? Is it the corporations or is it the politicians? And I'd say that we're somewhere in between. Um, I think sometimes so. sometimes it happens one way, sometimes it happens the other. But if you use the term um, corporatist fascist state, it sounds almost jingoist. You know, you you sound like you're uh, reading some kind of weird liner. I don't know. I, I don't know whether it's... Well, he goes serves.
0: on. He says America would be an example of the true corporatist state, where high-dollar business interests get politicians to write regulations friendly to their interests and punishing their competitors under the false front of protecting the consumer. The businessmen pull the levers for their own interests. So he's saying that from an economic standpoint, at least, America would be more accurately described as corporatist. But from a, uh, you know, personal freedom standpoint, I think fascism would be, uh, I think, more of an accurate term um, in that the government controlling your private property as far as, you know, you must put a seatbelt on, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Um, And then, of course, there's socialism where that's redistribution of wealth. We'll come back with more. And he he talks about capitalism a little bit here, too. Just sort of defining terms, which is important because words are really critical. 800-259-9231. This is your show and you can take control. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And this is your show. It's Free Talk Live. Bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL-CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with me. And Mark, one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. 259 9231 Join us online, freetalklive.com. All the features, completely free, including the bulletin board system. We've got hundreds of thousands of posts, over 225,000 of them. Wow. We've got... Over 1,400 people interacting, lots of fun, and it's for free at bbs.freetalklive.com. And wouldn't it be great to have an ex-narcotics officer be your personal coach to keep you from getting busted with marijuana? Go to nevergetbusted.com to view clips of the recently released DVD that has gained world attention. That's nevergetbusted.com. And we've seen the DVD. It's excellent. It is really good. Uh, So nevergetbusted.com. Just finishing up a few thoughts of, uh, on corporatism, fascism, and mercantilism—three terms that have very specific definitions—and we just haven't gotten s- specific on them because honestly, we're not experts. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently, Brad, and I haven't
1: heard a, this good of an explanation up to this point.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a great explanation. Um, he points out, basically, to recap that mercantilism is more of an economic theory. Uh, Whereas corporatism and fascism are political systems. Fascism meaning a political system where individual interests are subservient to those of the state in that the state controls your property and allows you to do certain things with it. So you still have your property. It's still yours. But if you aren't doing what the state wants you to do with it, then they're probably just going to take it from you. And then there's corporatism where corporations and businesses – they lobby the government for new rules and regulations that that protect their existing corporations uh, from new competition and, and that sort of thing. And they utilize government uh, to their benefit. So that's that's as I understand it so far. And if I've still gotten it wrong, please call in 800-259-9231. But he says that America would be an example of a true corporatist state where high-dollar business interests get politicians to write regulations friendly to their interest and punishing their competitors under the false front of protecting the consumer. The uh, the businessmen pull the levers for their own interests. Corporatism and fascism have similarities in that both involve widespread government intervention into an economy. But the former involves businesses controlling politicians for business interests, and the latter involves politicians controlling business to further state interests. Capitalism, uh, yes, capitalism, yeah, corporatism was corporatism, then fascism. Capitalism serves is neither a mercantilism, corporatism, or fascism. Capitalism is an economic theory based upon the free exchange of goods and services. As a political system, capitalism thrives with almost no political interference at all. In fact, the big debate amongst libertarians is whether or not government itself is even necessary to keep a capitalist system afloat. Uh, But I think that everyone would agree that capitalism and strong government are almost never found together. Most capitalist systems, when paired with strong government, devolve into corporatism. Now, in fact, it's America's descent into corporatism that has caused so many people to believe that capitalism and corporatism are the same thing. Well, that and the fact that the college professors continue to label this country as capitalist. I would say that, uh, yeah, I would say that's true. But I'm, I'm thinking
1: that what that brings to mind is Singapore, where um, it largely you're economically free in mm-hmm. Singapore, but if you spit gum on the ground, you're going to get caned. So what would so that you be, a, fascism? You have a large, intrusive state... But it it mostly doesn't get in in control, in, in, involved in the economy, yeah. as far as I understand it. That you know,
0: Well, who knows? We don't live there, right? Yeah, we but, don't live in Singapore, but I've, that's what I've heard. Right. I, I'm sure there's some involvement. It's just that there's significantly less involvement it's there the than freest, other countries. It's the free, economically freest country on the face of the earth. Right. But beyond Hong Kong, Hong Hong which Kong isn't is really a country. A country. Right. Corporatism, uh, by the way, final thoughts here from Brad. He says, in politics, we've let a situation fester for years where words mean different things to different people. That's dangerous. A politician can say one thing, and it's heard by different people to have different meanings. Thus, politicians love to muddy the waters. So let's make sure that words have meanings, and let's try to agree on them and use them properly. So, there. Let's go to Juan in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, Juan. Oh.
9: Hey, thank you, guys. Thank you. Um, I have a question for you. Uh, sure. What What is I've been listening to you by my podcast for the last two weeks, uh-huh. and you, so many things what you say for me is really, really interesting. I totally agree with what you say. But I don't understand something. If we make um, the government more small and we start to privatize so many government things, we, I, I want to be really worried about, for example, put the, the private sector with the army, with the military sector, and put the put the government... Uh, with powers with everything, take the power for the government and give you to the private sector and will be another government but in the, in the private house how would you how would you answer to me make the private sector more strong right now how we can control the private sector
0: okay I see where what your concern is and and it 's a legitimate concern um uh, because in the current situation that we have when government hands out a Privatization program—they're usually handing it to you know one of their buddies or the you know the highest bidder—and it's right. got political tags. It's got like a Halliburton in Iraq. Yeah, it's got. Poli- to, that's got, what I'm talking about. Right, it's surrounded <laughs> by politics, and it's not really um, the, it's not really what we're talking about. And Mark, of course, isn't going to support the um, privatization of the military. And I just want to make that clear no. before we go into this, so we both disagree on this. But I'll take your um, your question because I absolutely support the abolishment of the military. I don't support yeah, a, with you. I don't support a privatization program. I don't support saying, "Okay, well let's turn all this equipment over to some, you know, private company and let them be the military." No, no. I just say let's get rid of the military entirely and then allow the marketplace to come up with its own defensive programs, to come up with uh with on a on a uh, like company t- Different companies can innovate and come up with new ideas to, to help keep people safe. And competition, of course, will uh, will be involved in the marketplace. And that will keep prices, uh, prices reasonable. It will make sure that these companies are actually performing up to uh, reasonable standards and expectations. And also, it will make it so that one company can't necessarily be more powerful than the other. And plus, in that situation where companies are providing businesses, are providing protection to people on a voluntary basis... They don't have the same power that government does. Government has the ability, and it's crucial when it comes to warfare, government has the ability to print money. And so what they do is, when they can't get enough taxes in order to pay for all the wars they want to go and run, they just turn on the printing press and they print out all that money. They use that money to buy the war machines that they need to buy. And that money, of course, that inflates the the money supply and it makes all of our money worth less. But government doesn't care about that. It just wants more war stuff. A private company can't do that. Private companies can't print their own money, so anything that they uh, that they buy is an investment, and they want to make money back on that. So they just don't the incentives are completely different. A private company wouldn't have the uh, fiscal ability to wage war. It would only be able to defend its its uh, its customers. Does that make sense?
9: Yeah, it's perfect sense. Well, what about with those federal programs who ready work? What do you mean? Uh, for example, let's talk about one program. Uh, I, I am an immigrant, and I've been working for the Head Start program. And the Head Start program for the last 40 years doing really good progress with, with the poor people and childcare and those kind of things. When you reduce the government, you will reduce also those kind of programs, or you will try to privatize those programs, too.
1: Well, um, those programs, people demand those kind of programs, so yes. they, they would naturally be privatized. Um, and, you know, part of it is uh, that the regulations make it um, that the communities and the government puts on... Uh, Nursery schools and that kind of thing makes it difficult for them to operate. Like the the regulations that um, the nursery school that it's I true. went to um, when I no, was true. four years old was, or you know, younger was completely different than the ones they are today. And I'm not sure that um, nursery schools are significantly safer and significantly better as a result.
9: You are right. You are totally right, guys. You do a wonderful job. If uh, I believe as soon as I can, I, I need to move for the north. Because you're doing a wonderful job, and I believe what you're doing. I'm from Venezuela. Uh, Let me tell you something. Uh, I tried to translate your show uh, and share it with the people in my country, what you're doing is wonderful. I really congratulate you cool. for what you're doing.
0: Well, I think that you know translating the show sounds like a really difficult task. I mean, start up your own yeah. uh, you know learn, Venezuelan learn, language podcast. Learn about it. That, yeah. That's that's gonna be a good idea too. That's gonna be a wonderful idea. And and if you can make it up to New Hampshire, that would be fantastic. We definitely need more uh, more Hispanics up here. It's way too white. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 800 It's you know it's a scary idea getting the government out of all these areas. But the fact is, if you leave it up to the marketplace, all of these things can be done more efficiently charity can be done better by the marketplace because then you as an individual get to decide who deserves your dollars instead of some bureaucrat making arbitrary decisions and bad ones at that 800-259-9231 only moments remain but just enough time for your call this is free talk live This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring us anything, even in these remaining moments. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features, completely free. Though we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier, like over 380 of our listeners have decided to do. Now, why on earth would someone want to be a Free Talk Live amplifier? Well, maybe you like the show. Maybe you want to help get Free Talk Live on as many radio stations as and uh, in this country, is possible. I mean, theoretically, we could get on in Canada, but it's not very likely at this point. Uh, but nonetheless, if you want to help spread the message of freedom and liberty, we would like your assistance. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com and get signed up by either uh, PayPal or any major credit card and send us 3 bucks a month. It's automatically deducted for your, from your account, so you don't have to think about it uh, beyond the point of signing up. And it makes a big difference for us because having hundreds of people sending us that little amount really adds up. Sure does. And it really allows us to do outreach to more radio stations in a way that we were never able to do a couple uh, just a couple of years ago. Uh, Free Talk Lives amp program is only it's only about 2 years old now at this point. And uh, I think we've been doing pretty well. I think I think being at over 25% of our goal as we are because we have a goal of 10,000 a month coming in and we're well over 25% at this point. So I think that's pretty darn good for 2 years. And uh, so head over to amp.freetalklive.com, learn about the program, learn about how we're spending the money, and then uh, get signed up and enjoy some of the perks like the AMP-only call-in lines, AMP-only chat room, and the AMP-only forum. All of the details at amp.freetalklive.com. So Mark, let's go to the email box. You had one you wanted to share. Yep, this one's from Jim.
1: He says, Mark, it would be um, a mere anecdote if I simply told you that you reached me and that... I only possess the embryo of liberty-based philosophy and that your show acted as potent fertilizer. However, while I don't listen every day, I've taken the time to listen pretty much every single show for more than a year now. I could state with confidence that I've heard on enough occasions people calling in who are hearing you for the first time and felt inspired enough to call in immediately and express their joy with what they are hearing. Add to that those who lurk for some time, eventually calling in and give you to give you guys credit for their education. I'd bet that if I went back to old shows and started keeping a tally on those um, from now on, of those types of calls, that I could present some pretty solid evidence that you were indeed making a difference in the realm of ideas, at the very least, if not in the realm of action. Add to that your growing list of affiliates, and you can pretty much make that claim. Also, I would point out that the, uh, the format is very unique. I'm of... I'm, I am of a uh, demographic that I cannot listen to a monologue format. I'm not sure that, you know, demographic and listening to monologues, but people don't always know what demographics mean. Um, demographics like your age and your sex. And
0: that's his, per, about his personal preference is that he can't listen to monologues. Right. Even and there are a lot of people like that. Julia's that way. She can't stand listening to yeah. West talk radio.
1: Even if it includes call ins. You and Ian have an interaction that I haven't heard elsewhere. It's a play of idealistic principles versus practical reality. Ian has a, um, Ian has a rigidity and purpose that wouldn't be um, palatable without the softening that... You I like to
0: call it nonviolence versus violence. Yeah, I know you do. Okay.
1: Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm not even going to respond. That you uh, provide, and I think the show wouldn't work without that dynamic. I doubt it would work if it was just you also. This is the the way that I, I know it would. <laughs> just not as good of a broadcaster as Ian is. Yeah. Just period. I've done my own show before and Yes, you have. It's not
0: as good as his. What yeah. was it called? Breakfast with Mark or yeah, something some like that? some nonsense like that. Yeah.
1: However, <laughs> well, I don't listen every day. I've taken um, Let's was, Pimp a Business? Yeah, that was it was just basically it was a 1-hour show to uh to make the radio station businesses want to advertise on the radio um, yeah. station. You want to be on the radio? Come on. Um we'll we'll go on this show and then we'll have Ordinary good programming the rest of the time. So there I basically go. just pimped businesses in the, from right. eight to nine a.m. on a m. And, uh, at little a. Some station. No stuff. one listened to. <laughs> <laughs> they certainly didn't. Okay. <laughs> Um this is the way that I personally see things working and and this is how that um somehow the universe answers to the desires that we have and we can form the relationships needed for success. It is especially effective if it is true if it is a true need that is sought along with the desire. Bam, you're put together with Ian for some something important. I'm pretty sure Ian would quickly poo poo this (laughs) and (laughs) notion and ascribe it completely to the free market. Mm -hmm. I just think of the odds of y'all getting the chemistry right are pretty astronomical. You know, you know, working with you just proves that I can work with anyone. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't know if it if it was God that had anything to do with Free Talk Live. It you know, and we had some you know we had rapport before we we went on the air together. Yeah, we were, um, we, we talked. We had hung out a little bit in in uh, at work at least. Yeah, and, you didn't uh, hang out with anybody anyway, right? And generated some rapport, and that's that's where it started. And then uh, you just happened to be available to do a show. I mean, mm-hmm. if you hadn't happened to be available, then who knows? Who knows? Total coincidence. Well, okay. And, and he would say otherwise.
1: Yeah. I'm aware of the pitfalls of counting chickens before they hatch, but you two have the potential of expanding beyond your wildest dreams. I don't know about that. I'd imagine us being the most popular um, radio yeah, talk show Yeah, I'm targeting in number America. one. Yeah, so uh, the wildest dreams, eh, let's just say that we'll get to it. <laughs> At the very least, you guys are a very long way from the limits of your success. You being honest about um, your past, and I guess he's talking about my uh, murder conviction, mm. um, with more appreciation um, comes with more appreciation than I think you realize. The kind of success story, um, that kind of success story is something that will sell rather than hinder your suge- suge- success. Well, I me. hope
0: somebody, you know, I originally had hoped that that was going to come out in a more public way, Mm -hmm. down the line a little bit, by someone who was really upset about it and thought they would, ha, we'll show Free Talk Live, we're going to out-mark Edge. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, it backfired because it would just get us more publicity than we'd ever received. Unfortunately, it didn't come out. Publicity for radio
1: shows up till recently has been very good. Uh, It seems like now it's not so good. I don't know.
0: Um We might still be able to spin it that way because I don't know how many people in the industry know about your past. And so down the line, we might just, like, give Talkers Magazine an exclusive or something like that.
1: He says, I'm not suggesting that you use it, but not hiding it is different and will work in your favor if done tactfully. It sure impresses the hell out of me, he says. So, um... Anyway, he goes on and talks about other stuff. But I just thought that it was it was interesting, his, his take on uh, the show and what he thought. He certainly put it into words.
0: Well, you know, it's nice to know that, that we can make a difference without being experts on every single topic. To tie this back into, mm-hmm. you know, what we talked about at the beginning of the hour and last hour, in that we've got listeners that, you know, want to critique what we say and say we should know more about, the, you know, certain topics. Which, of course, isn't possible because, as I explained earlier, it's a general interest show. We yeah. have to know a little bit so about di- everything. Yeah, it would be so difficult to know that. But, but. Here we are, you know, we get emails from people that say that we've helped them, you know, understand liberty better, and darn it, that's what's most important to me. If you want to know more about evolution and stuff like that, then go off and do your own research right. on Right. We're,
1: we're basics. We're, we're kindergarten through uh, sixth grade here. You have to go <laughs> on and do your own <laughs> research on yeah. liberty and, uh, you know, personal responsibility, libertarianism, uh, you know, all that stuff.
0: The Food and Drug Administration, a uh, quick story for you here, uh, has decided... According to the, or no, the, excuse me, the Institute of Medicine is urging the FDA to regulate tobacco and develop a plan to reduce nicotine levels in cigarettes. The report calls on Congress and the president to give the FDA the authority to enforce standards for nicotine reduction and to regulate companies' claims that their products reduce exposure or risk. Quote, we propose aggressive steps to end the tobacco problem, that is, to reduce tobacco use so substantially that it is no longer a significant public health problem. Now,
1: wait a second. I don't think nicotine itself, although a poison, um, is what's causing people to have lung cancer and the uh, d- uh, deleterious effects of smoking. So, I think that the government may actually be causing a problem here, possibly. Um, people, because now, currently, with the way things are, people are, you know, at some, um, the people that smoke are at some current level of uh, addiction. Suppose you smoke two packs a day, mm-hmm. that's what your level of addiction is. Now, if you, if they start mandating a reduction in uh, nicotine, especially if it's not done, uh, Responsibly and 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 smart, I I th- which I think the government could likely screw it all up. Then people will smoke more in order to get the nicotine that they yeah. want to get. So if you reduce the uh, level of nicotine so um, to point seven five, uh, you know seventy five percent of what it was yeah. then instead of smoking two packs, they'll smoke three
0: or two and a, yeah two and a half packs or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And that's that is the uh, you know the side effect here the the unintended consequence you're trying to they're trying to so-called help people when in fact they're helping them into buying more cigarettes and you could you could actually see that uh, philip morris and other companies like that would support regulation like this oh yeah yeah please oh twist our arm oh yeah we don't want oh don't make us take some of the nicotine out of these cigarettes here and it may not even be the nicotine entirely that's that
1: causes the addic- addiction addiction i certainly nicotine's addictive but there's other addictive things in cigarettes too they're not Talking about reducing those, uh, it's you know they add chemicals that um, are, make it more addictive and therefore more cancer causing.
0: And, and here's corporatism I mean, in action. B-
1: because if you smoke a cigar and inhale it, you're not going to have the same level of um, addiction and you're not going to have the same level of damage to your lungs as you will um, with cigarettes if you smoke the same amount of smoke.
0: Corporatism in action, right here. We were talking about earlier corporations, businesses using the government to enact regulations in order to protect their industry and protect themselves. Right, in fact,
1: if, if they, uh, the regulation says, like, if, if Marlboro decided to go down to 75%, per, um, then Camel would get all of their people because they wouldn't reduce their nicotine
0: level. And yeah, it would cost the same, you get more so nicotine. So they want everybody. So what does the uh, chairman and CEO, Philip Morris, have to say? Quote, FDA regulation creates a uniform set of federal standards for the manufacture and marketing of all tobacco products. Philip Morris supports regulation of nicotine and reduction of nicotine. Of course he does. Because it's going to increase their sales. It's been Ian here with you. And Mark. See you tomorrow night, online in the meantime, pretalklive.com.